Oh, somebody just got a message. Somebody wrote back to you, Ronald. They said hello as well. Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) What's up, guys? Welcome to Movie Schmovie. We are back, bigger and badder than ever, with with a very important, as John said in our .5 episode, episode that means way more to us. Oh, we take it way then too it should. seriously. Let's yeah. be honest. I mean, I've this is very kind of stressful like, to me. I've actually, it's like my nerves. I still was today like wondering if I could fit more movies in. I was trying Same. to trying to watch a couple of last minute things. I only watched one, what I would call like a last minute movie, and it actually did alter my top ten. So just testament to the fact that I, I think there were three or four more that might have done the same. This was a great year, mm-hmm. a ridiculous year. We were just saying before we started that like you could really many of our lists. Looking at it now. You could flip-flop a lot of these movies into the one, two, three spot, and you'd be fine with that, or I would be fine with that. You know what I mean? Like, looking at mine, there's at least three or four that could move around that list very fluidly, and, and mm. I'd be, I wouldn't lose sleep over it. Oh, okay. Ronald, what, what was your experience like in, in getting this together? It's, it's I know funny. you love following uh, outlines and steps where there's ten things to be picked. Oh, man. <laughs> I was fucking. I was. His mind is like a spreadsheet, Steve. He's so organizational. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. Bullets, Where man. are we right now, by the way? Right. <laughs> I'm waiting for it's that question. That's actually a really good question. That's actually a really good There's question. There's so many deep answers we could answer that with. Where <laughs> my, are we? My Ronald? process, man, it was hard because one of the movies that I thought would be in the top five moved down really far for a bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested in talking about that. So it, it was hard. It was hard. Actually, my bottom five are the hardest for me. Why do you think that is? Because I think that um, I'm pretty. I was pretty dead set on some of the ones that I saw. Like we talked about some of the ones already. I knew we're going to be in my top five. I knew that it wasn't going to move down at all. They'd at least be in the top five. But the other ones, I kind of feel like it'd be disrespectful to exclude them within the bottom five mm-hmm. so i feel like that's the harder part about it i guess is that you that's true yeah, that's me but that's the hardest part about it i guess the the exclusion of the movies yeah. that you know everybody... you feel like you're leaving somebody behind yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely like... do i move them to the honorable mentions and i'm just like oh but i i really liked you so much yeah we had a good time and then every few days like through december every few days i would go see a movie and it would jump onto the list and these movies that i was really happy with from the summer and the fall uh, and some even earlier <clears throat> yeah. that, that just started to fall off. And that actually got, I said I had a little little topic I wanted to bring up with you guys. Yeah, what's that? This kind yeah. of is, a, is a, a tangent off of the fact that last week Henry, we heard Henry's year in review. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And of course, listening to a kid, for one thing, the excitement a kid has about the movies, it was hard not to make me think like, this really is fun, getting together and, and talking about movies. Yeah. And I, oh, yeah. I, I, I like I like being a movie fan, so to speak. Absolutely. But don't you think that being a... Well, there's kind of two prongs to this. Don't you think that being a movie fan kind of makes you more aware of the movies to the extent that you might have a, a positive opinion about movies because you're sort of excited about them and you kind of... You, you want to go and you want to... You you want to enjoy that, whereas your friends that don't see so many movies might go see a movie and just say, "Oh, that was stupid." Yeah, and get yeah. on with their lives. And you find yourself you've like got yourself up in this froth about this movie, and you want to talk about how great it is. And you realize that to them, it was like, "Eh, we we went out to the movies that night. It wasn't great. I got on with my life." But yeah. but doing this podcast, you have to think more about it, and you sort of have this relationship with it that might yeah. be a little bit like, you know, it bridges on that kind of Aspergery kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Something really matters to me that that, sh- <laughs> that shouldn't matter. It's a strange thing. Like it's it's the details. I guess that's one of the things. So when I talk to you guys, regardless of if I share the same opinion, we hit on some of the same things. It looks how how it sounds, how the dialogue was, 
you know, how the story made you feel. And, and these are things that you hear someone else say, but never in the detail mm-hmm. that you hear from someone that's a, a huge fan of movies. Right. So that that lack of investment, I don't understand why people invest so much time in movies if they don't they aren't gonna pay attention to them, yeah. really pay attention to them. So that makes me feel weird, but I I totally get it, I get it. Where you feel like, why do I care so much? Yeah. Like, why am I sitting here going, "Gosh, it was such a great movie yeah. year," and I realize that no one else in my life wants to like wants you, to have that conversation. There's nothing. There's nothing that I've done <laughs> that made that more evident than trying to get my friends and family to call in for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> top ten. Literally, it's like me sending text messages like, guys, we're doing our top 10 episodes. Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be a part of this? And they're yeah. like, eh, you know, I didn't see anything this year. Yeah. You know, like, I, I, maybe I'll do it later tonight. Don't mm-hmm. bother me. What I always you know? try to do is I try to draw people in by telling them that this shit is worldwide. Mm-hmm. Worldwide. No one is as worldwide as us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who doesn't want to be as worldwide associated as us. with us? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, people have egos and... Uh, if we can do anything to help you make that head a little larger. Yeah, appeal to their narcissism. Yeah, let's just get in, okay? I think hearing your voice on a podcast is like the modern equivalent of of like seeing your name in the phone book as oh, far as like a baseline for human existence. <laughs> yeah. It's like if you exist, your name is in the phone book. Well, now that no one really looks at the phone book, yeah. what do they look to? They look to, have you been on a podcast? Do yeah. you have a podcast? How many podcasts do you have? That's yeah. You might as well put this on your resume. Right. That's what what I'm getting at is We're that everybody you know, under, an opportunity. under other stuff, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. how many appearances have you had on Movie Schmovie? Yes. Right. There's a few people out there that have had a handful. And, well, it's funny I that mean, you say that about They're your... going to get the job. <laughs> it's funny that you say that about your friends and family, Steve, because I, I, I approached the most opinionated and loquacious people that I knew, and apparently that was a, that was a running theme, that the people that you feel were my friends that called in. I could easily filter that through, John. <laughs> Anything that came through as a listener call-in that was greater than or equal to 50 seconds, yes. all John Walker friends. Yes. Mm. And there are also people that weren't even aware that there were other people on this podcast besides John Walker. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I got one message. I forget who it was from. Like, this call is for John Walker and whoever else does a podcast with John Walker. <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, weird. he hasn't heard of you, or they I haven't. Mean, yeah, they don't even know who Ronald. That's amazing. Ronald, myself. It's okay. But I like now, the idea of us just being like pieces of paper with our our faces drawn on, and we're just yeah. Whoever else, whoever else does whoever it. Whoever else. Me. That's how I refer to you. I say I co- he just shows on the drawing that Henry made. Like that's the other guy. I say so I co-host weird. this podcast with whoever else does the podcast with yeah. me. That's how I introduce. No, but it's funny that you. So okay, I said there were two prongs. That the other question I had was mm-hmm. and this was related to the fact that I started realizing after we did that little movie review with Henry there were movies I forgot that he mm-hmm. had seen and it was I went to him after the fact and I reminded him we'd seen Frozen and he oh. said oh yeah I like that movie that was his review of that <laughs> uh, I, I mentioned we <laughs> had point. we had seen Rise of the Guardians and mm-hmm. he said what was that and I said that was that movie with Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and he said that wasn't a movie not really sure what he meant by that. That's the harshest wow. thing he said about anything. I remember he actually kind of liked it. I think he meant we watched that on television not too long ago. Oh, so he may yeah. have. And then I also had forgotten the Oz the Great and Powerful was a movie that he saw earlier mm. in the year and actually liked so much that he would like make me act out scenes from it with him, like little scenes of dialogue. Like he okay. really liked the little Zach Braff monkey in that. And it was strange to me that we had forgotten those movies. And then it occurred to me... I may have forgotten some movies I'd seen this year, and I started looking down the list. Did you guys do anything to kind of jog your memory about those movies you saw earlier in the year? Did you uh, rewatch anything? Did you? I did. Okay, see, I failed to. I, I thought I, I was going to rewatch a few things, and I didn't. I did rewatch a few that I knew I wanted to, um, not through going through a list, but that I had kind of earmarked myself. Mm-hmm. But all the every year, I always go through the Academy's eligibility list, which is mm-hmm. extremely exhaustive. But more importantly, recently, I use a few different apps on my phone 
to basically catalog what I see and what my rating was at the time of seeing it. So, like, you mm-hmm. know, it's it's really dorky, but it's really efficient. No, because I'm nodding. I'm actually kind yeah, of excited yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah, it's really <laughs> great because you can sort it by year and by rating so that mm-hmm. I can go through very easily uh, and say, say what got, there? like, 7 out of 10 or 8 or 10 more, you know, or greater yeah. stars or whatever. So then I'm like, okay, these are probably movies I'll consider, and, you know, if I want to rewatch them, I'll rewatch them. But this year was a very efficient year for me to create the, say, top 20. And then it was really drilling down that got hard because, like you said, this was just an incredible year mm-hmm. for movies. And, I mean, at the time we're recording this, the Oscar nominations have already come out. And it's easy to look at that list and you can say people didn't get nominated or yeah. films didn't get nominated. There's a couple and, of glaring omissions. Yeah, and films that may even end up on our list this year. Um, but that's when you, the realization struck me that this is going to be a challenge. You know, mm-hmm. like I watched a couple, of few, you know, a couple films uh, again, you know, and... Some films climbed my list. Some films took a step down because of it. But, I mean, yeah. But this was an efficient year compared to others for me. And from this point forward, I'd recommend using the IMDB app. Yeah. And also, uh, there's a really cool app that uh, I have on my phone, and I'm looking at it right now because the name escapes me. Uh, It's just really for rating and, like, maintaining your catalog. It's called Limelight. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty slick. A few of my friends use it. but So the Academy's eligibility list. That sounds like a better method than what I do, which is I open up a sticky, and then I think of movies I saw. Uh, But I'll tell you what I do, guys. I check that list. I check it twice to try to figure out which movies were naughty and which movies were pretty good. That's a good idea. That, yeah. that sounds efficient. Yeah. I mean... You're borrowing You know, I'm thinking... I'm looking, I'm looking at my computer, and I'm thinking, why was Henry saying that Rise of the Guardians wasn't a movie. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know why? You know why? Because he's actually very smart. Because yeah. it didn't come out in 2013. Dad. Oh, It, it came out in 2012. What? Oh. Yeah. So, kudos to Henry for putting you... Did you have that on your sticky? No, I didn't. Okay. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't put it no, on I was thinking to myself, I'm like, like, Rise of the Guardians, that was that, that came out around the holidays of 2012. Oh, Did it? that's fine. I want to say November or something, but well, I don't know. I think Henry is tuned in. And I mean, I always want to throw out there right now, listening to that point five, I realize that nothing that we say right now on this podcast means anything compared to what Henry has to say about a movie. November 21st, 2012. You're right. So really what he was saying, he, he, he that's said- That's not an eligible movie. He said that's not a movie. Right. Yeah. But he meant to say that's not a movie from this year. Yeah. yeah. He's a smart kid. I get it. Smart I get it. kid. I get Good catch, Steve. Thank you. So that way I don't have to edit in a little correction later on. Yeah. I didn't want I didn't want anything to take away from mm-hmm. Henry's yeah. talent. You know yeah, what I mean? Like this kid's talented and, he's, and he knows what's going right. on. Right. <laughs> Even if Dad suggests a movie that was over a year old, he might be. You I know, don't know. It's funny that he was trying to save me from myself, and I didn't even know it. <laughs> mm. Oh goodness! Oh goodness! But yes, oh we, goodness! We have some opinions of movies that aren't as adorable as Henry's were, but they are something we've uh, probably sweat a little, mm-hmm. a little excessively over. We'll get to mm-hmm. those in just a second. But right now, let's uh, let's play some of those listener call-ins. Yeah, thank you guys for calling in. We have uh, plenty of audible enjoyment. Cake pops to listen to. I don't know. I couldn't think of it. <laughs> cake pops. They, seem, pops they seem trendy. You know, Steve, Ronald likes them. I would look for a way to describe this podcast when people say, how would you describe that show you do? I would say audible enjoyment cake pops. <laughs> that's all you need to say. I mean, and then they would just nod and go, "Good, yeah, okay, got it. That's pretty good. Yeah. It's very... I like that. I immediately had a, a positive reaction to that. I'm like, cake pops. You want to listen, right? Yes. So take a listen. Would an, audio, would an audible enjoyment cake pop be one that actually, that like you bite into it and then like a sound comes out of it that's like a pleasing sound? You know what? Take it as you will, John. Yeah. Everybody or takes it a different way. Or does it just bust in your mouth like a gusher? For you, it does, Which makes Ronald. me feel weird. That's the fact like that a... you said that, <laughs> the fact that you used that phrase, 
phrasing? <laughs> Is that what made you feel weird? Yeah, I think so. Arnold needs to go dry off. But uh, we're going to get some of these listener... Uh... This is your first helping of Cake Pops. Yes. <laughs> Enjoy. Please leave a message after the tone. Hello, my name's Amy, and I like Wolf of Wall Street. It has a lot of different angles, and it's just kind of action-packed with just uh, different curiosities. So I um, just like it a lot. Thank you. Hey, my name is Andrew Uchenik, and uh, my movie of last year... It's actually Joss Whedon's Much Ado About Nothing. I know, weird choice, right? But you get to watch all your favorite Joss Whedon actors do a really non-pretentious version of a Shakespeare play that turned out really, really good. That's it. It was great. I loved it. I'll watch it again. might do that right now. Anyway, have a good one. Bye. Hey, hey, hey. This is Ben Burford. Uh, favorite movie of last year... It would have to be Blue Jasmine, and that is because Kate Blanchett's uh, sweaty armpits and the way she wielded that bottle of vodka, screaming that she had to study, was probably the funniest thing I saw all year long. So uh looks like she's already won some stuff. <laughs> Good times. Hey, movie schmovie guys. This is Chris McCaleb. My favorite one was Gravity. I thought that this movie was pretty exhilarating, and considering how many movies I've seen that have been set in outer space, it was still a lot of stuff. It was something I had not seen before. It reminded me of the first time I saw 2001 on the big screen. Uh, not to blaspheme, but there it is. I thought it was very exciting. I'm not particularly a Sandra Bullock fan, but she really won me over in this movie, and I thought it was fantastic. It was my favorite of the year. Good evening, John, and whoever hosts the show with John, this is Christian. My favorite film of the year uh, was The Way, Way Back. I haven't seen a lot of the, the awards bait that has come out recently other than her, but I, I love The Way, Way Back. I found it to be really funny. I really enjoyed Stephen, or Steve Carell outside of his comfort zone, like playing like an actual dick. Not an oblivious dick like he did on The Office. As is every movie that he's in, I think Sam Rockwell just steals everything. He's consistently one of my favorite actors to watch. Uh, thanks for your time. Good night. Hey, movie schmovie gang. It's David here. Um, I was calling to give my movie pick. Um, it's a tough choice between Grown Ups 2 or After Earth. Um, I think I'll go with uh, Wolf of Wall Street, though. Um, it's just a great movie that uh, had me intrigued the entire time. So take care, guys. Talk to you soon. Uh, my name's Drew Steffens. Uh, the film I chose was 12 Years a Slave. Um, I just thought this movie had an incredible story, uh, along with an incredible cast, which uh, had me kind of entranced with the whole movie, and I enjoyed it a lot. Thanks, guys. This is Erin Underwood, and I vote for The Crudes. I voted for it because I thought it was going to suck, and I ended up loving it. In fact, I even got a little weepy at the end, and visually, it's stunning. I mean, for an animated movie, the, the art and the animation is amazing, and even action-packed. So that is my recommendation or my vote for best movie of 2013 is The Crudes. Thank you. 
Hey, Movie Schmovie. This is Sarah Engel. It's your favorite, biggest fan. I'm going to go with The Hangover Part 3 being my favorite movie for 2013. Um, Zach Galifianakis was hilarious, as always, but I thought he was funnier than he was in the second one. Um, I laughed the whole time, and even though the storyline was getting a little bit old, it still kept me interested. All of your opinions are mediocre. <laughs> you, I thought you were going to go a different who way. Who are with you that. guys? Yeah. <laughs> who are these opinions? These, I don't, I don't, I don't trust you guys. Are why they rank movies? They don't even know who I do the podcast with. <laughs> right. Which I don't know that we've said that yet. I'm John. I'm, I'm Steve. I'm Ronald. There you go. In case you were wondering. Yeah. Um. So yeah, those are some good picks. I'm sure they'll show up somewhere. On, maybe. Maybe some not. Some were horrible choices. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Did anybody <laughs> choose? I'm just going to give you my bottom five for the year uh-huh. and see if anybody chose one of these. From the bottom up. Well, no, I guess that would be more exciting to go from the top down. The Wolverine, Warm Bodies, Mama, Insidious Chapter 2, or Charles Swan III. No, you hated that movie, man. wasn't that bad. I thought it was barely a movie. <laughs> Shit balls. I actually kind of like that movie. I like the ending. The only part I liked was when they break the fourth wall and, and like they all start giving their names. and you know I like the... So that the actually end, it ended. I actually like the literal <laughs> the ending. Fact the fact ended. that it was ending at that point. <laughs> I liked right. it. I like the movie. I like it. I like how Warm Bodies showed up on your bottom five. Wow. You were kind of positive about that movie well, after was, you saw I, that's it. That's what I've said several times since. That movie was the example, the best example to me of what I was kind of talking about earlier, where because we were doing this show, I'm watching a movie and I'm trying to think of things I want to say about it. Yeah. And, and I don't even think about how much I really like it. So I might be burning that one because I felt like... It, it also wasn't it like a February release. It was yeah, like, it was early in the so year. So it was like yeah. a dry period in the year. I was excited to go see a movie. It was a cold night. We were doing a podcast, and then I just felt like I had to have all these opinions about this movie that I don't even think I would have seen otherwise. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so so I resent you, warm bodies. Mm. You're right. No, there were things about it that were that were good. But also, I think that's testament to the fact I didn't see that many shitty movies last year. Even like the bottom 10, 20 of the fifty or so movies I saw. A lot of these are movies I liked pretty well. Mm. You obviously did not see Grown Ups too. No, see, I didn't. I don't see movies like that. <laughs> Me either. I avoid those. Or After play. Earth. Man, I didn't see that yet. Yeah, I still don't want to. Don't just live your life. So, can just I, anybody it. just go ahead and spoil whether uh, Oblivion made anybody's top ten? It was going to, man. It was very close. It did not. Did not it make yours? It's. Uh, it did not make the ten uh, if he's counting. Top ten. <laughs> I was going to. It was. Uh, Number twenty-two out of fifty-six. So okay. that's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. Out of all the movies that's that come high. out, that's pretty good. It's sandwiched between Room Two Thirty Seven and The Hunger Games: Catching Fire. Okay, it's good company. Yeah, it's good company. It's good company. If your company is a psycho, mm. wants to stab you in your sleep and piss on you. So let's get into those. Uh, we call them bottom fives, but what we mean is bottom of top ten. Our 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 yeah. ten through sixes. Mm. Ronald? I got to hear Ronald's first. I know. Ronald always... Kick it off, Ronald. Ronald always worries us so much. He does. I'm worried for him. But like when he came here, he looked yeah. stricken. He was like... He's got his his app open on his iPad. He's like moving things around yeah. and kind of shaking his moving head and making like... His eyes noises. looking at the ground. My number 10 is the the Wolf of Wall Street. And the reason why I made it number 10 is... I, all right. So I watched it and I was like, man, this movie is great. But... a little empty and i think that's why i I, the acting is incredible but i think i'm sick of of scorsese doing those kind of like elaborate shitty dudes 
being shitty mm-hmm. for a long period of time. It, it okay. got and it also it also felt felt like Caligula. Can we talk about that? Caligula. It's like so much fucking in it that it felt very like. Now it's my turn to tell you that wasn't a 2013 film. Right? <laughs> Caligula. I'm pretty Fact sure. Check. I'm pretty sure that's not a eligible movie. What is actually? that doing yeah. in the conversation, yeah, right. Ronald? But yeah, there's something about the broy sort of shittiness that I felt kind of shitty about watching it. Like I watched it, and I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I and I normally don't feel that way about watching a movie, and I think that's why it's not going to do that well. It didn't do that well at uh, the Golden Globes, and I don't think it's going to do that well at the Oscars. It's 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 something about it. It's the the way that people think that you should feel about 12 years a slave just because it's like so mm-hmm. like brah is the way that i actually feel about um the wolf of wall street like that uncomfort that discomfort where i couldn't necessarily show this to a group of people that mm-hmm. wasn't somebody that just told dick jokes all the time See, but when you first when you came off seeing it uh, i thought it was great you said I, you you could show it to anybody you could show it to I, your well, mom okay so no no no. so what i meant by that was like <laughs> i'm not trying to call you on that oh, but yeah, i remember yeah. at well, the time thinking that was a strange well, thing because yeah, well, i would never show this movie to I, my mom what i meant by that was like that's a movie that you can you can watch with a group of people mm-hmm. and have an amazing time just because it's so outrageous yeah but for the same reason i don't like it like i don't i don't know if i don't it's an entertaining. Let's keep movie. perspective. It's still number ten on your top yeah. ten. It has a lot so of I don't think he didn't like it. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I had a lot of quotables. Like people will be quoting that movie. I said this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. Forever. Like there, there are five hundred sound bites that I'm pretty sure that people are going to take from this movie. Mm-hmm. Forever. Forever. Speaking of quotes, they were all Sandlot fuck, quote. right? That was yeah. yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah. But yeah, it's how it's, many fucks were there, Steve? Five hundred plus. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Five sixty. Five twenty-two as well. Five twenty-two. I but just yeah. liked it because they say fuck a lot. So. Yeah, so that's that's why I, I think that it's a great movie, yeah. great movie, great acting. But it's it's, and I say gross things. Mm-hmm. I do jokes where I talk about my dick often, and mm-hmm. I and I feel like I couldn't fucking rank it. It's something about it. It's raw and it's real mm-hmm. for him. Like, but it was something about it that was just kind of empty. It didn't feel. All right, so, so you're doing your ten through six. Oh, I'm doing all of them. Yeah, we're going to just briefly run through. Okay, 10 sorry. So six. that I, I all right. So that's the yeah. most I'm going to say about okay. any of them. Okay. Well, so. you felt like you you mentioned that you felt like you had to explain why that. Movie <laughs> oh yeah, slipped, yeah, that but... was a pretty big deal. Uh, nine is Gravity. Uh, eight is the past, the foreign movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that. I've heard it's really it's good. really great. Rush is number seven. Whoo, Ronald. Yeah. The Rush in there. Rush was so good. Man, I love it. Beautiful. It was poetry in motion. Yeah, I need to see that. Still. And my number six, American Hustle. Mm. So, so what kept American Hustle off your top five, if I may? Just because of the other movies, yeah. it had nothing to do with the quality of the movie. Yeah. That I think that American Hustle is a better movie than Wolf of Wall Street. I think. I, well, I mean, I, I would say when I ended up going, I ended up going with character and powerful moments and powerful performances mm. over like plot and construction and overall perfection when I was yeah, making my yeah. list. And I, by that standard, I think, yeah, American Hustle is it's a better a, movie. It's just way. got more heart than... Yeah, uh, than yeah, I, I agree. I agree. So that's that's my 10 through 6. All right, my uh, 10 through 6, I'm going to do a typical Walker move, but since, since we're all over God the map with this... God damn it. I'm just going to tell you... I that, would, okay, God damn it. Well, there, there, there were two high school movies that I, I wanted oh, to put in Walker. my top 10. Fucking Walker. Right Walker, from the, Texas right from the, Ranger. Walker from the start. <laughs> fucking Walker. Um, well, but I, let's just you say fucker. that... Uh, I'm going to try to pull like a meta thing and say that like you oh, could imagine God. that... You could imagine that... Um, 
well, there's no way to say that the leads of these two films are similar, but I just couldn't, I, both these movies needed to be in my top 10, so I'll give a nod to The Spectacular Now and The Dirties. Both both those films were were, were hard to find fault with when I looked back on them and thought, and I they, they both went from 10 to 11 to 9 to 12, you know, they were in that zone, so I can't I can't leave either one of them off. But okay. So they're, they're sharing the 10 spot. They're sharing the 10 spot as, as the, the high school slot. But The Dirties, I, I have seen nothing about The Dirties, like except for the few little initial mentions of it. And I just yeah. think it deserves being brought back up there. Okay. You know, the spectacular now seems to be a movie that has, has a pretty good reputation amongst the critics. Yeah. Um, I was surprised. Well, I guess I can't be too surprised in this year, but I was hoping to maybe see some, some acting recognition for, uh, um, Miles Teller. Miles Teller. But when you look at who he would be up against, it's it seems obvious why he's not there. Sure. But that that performance, that character, still had had you know really lingers with me still. And I would say the leads of both of those films, the lead characters of both those films, felt like very very fully realized, very real teenagers. Yeah. Um, my number nine is Wolf of Wall Street, for very similar reasons to you, wow, Ronald. Okay. Like I loved the movie. I can't think of a more entertaining. More entertaining. Did you say entertaining? Oh, entertaining. That's the word. <laughs> Trademark. Come yeah. on. Right. I like that. I think copyright. Whatever. I think that uh, movie is that is that's how to describe Wolf of yeah. Wall Street. It's entertaining. Uh, it, but it it I talked to just enough people that weren't prudes that had problems with the film that I kind of I I kind of went back on in my mind and thought was I. Not that I felt like like I don't think Scorsese is buying into the broishness you're talking about when he makes a movie like that, but I do think I do think that there's something about that movie that I can't say that having seen it once that I've processed it fully. I think there's so much going on, yeah. and I also don't know enough about the true financial situation surrounding all that to understand whether that part of the movie was particularly accurate. I have heard some criticism that's not like prudish people, because there's a lot of people that just thought the movie was excessive. And mm -hmm. I personally, I don't really, I'm not really swayed by that argument. I think those are people who are just going to be disturbed by certain content when they go yeah. to see the movies. Like sure. I was not, you know, snorting coke out of a hooker's ass. That's not like, that's not like a, you know, an average Sunday afternoon activity for me. But, you know... <laughs> I would say on a special Sunday afternoon, eh. <laughs> you know, but you know what I'm saying. Like gotta I gotta mix it up. Yeah, like I've seen that on film once, and and I don't think the movie was trying to. Boy, this is gonna sound bad. I don't think it was trying to rub your face in that type of stuff, <laughs> except in a very deliberate way. Like yeah, it wanted yeah, you absolutely. to feel like a little repulsed by this. So yeah. I would say all that, but it was more just the fact that I don't know that I've really gotten my brain around the ways the movie may be kind of missing the point or kind of sugarcoating what really was going on with the financial crisis. I have heard some people say that jo Jordan Belfort is just an odd target if you're going to single out somebody, yeah. that like that is a guy that we can easily vilify and we can say, oh, those types of traders are are scum, but that it, it allows us to kind of be distracted from some of the systematic uh, corruption that runs deeper. I don't know enough about that stuff to, to really weigh in, but I definitely felt like Wolf of Wall Street went from, it was like number one, and then it just every time I would see a movie or think about another movie, it slowly slipped down just because I don't have that, you know, on top of everything else, I just don't have that emotional connection. Like you said, you don't really want to spend time with these guys. Yeah, yeah. It's... My number eight is uh, another movie that I really <clears throat> pretty much loved, but I just had a, I don't know that it held together completely well as a, as a, as a story. And I, and I think that sometimes you look back on a movie and you just weigh what worked, what didn't work for you. There's so much that works for me in Inside Lewin Davis. Oscar Isaac's performance and oh, that yeah. character has stuck with me in the same way that like Miles Teller in Spectacular Now has. Just, I feel like that guy's struggle and the way that he deals with grief and the way the movie is really this kind of meditation about the way, so many different things, but the way you deal with grief, the way that, um, 
what separates someone who's really talented from someone who's truly great and truly a genius, what it means to be, you know, a, a pretty talented person when when Bob Dylan is about to literally hit the scene that you're in, like while you're struggling. You know, I mean, that's what that movie sort of tells you is that everything that's going on in that folk scene is about to get blown away by yeah. by Bob Dylan. And so it just lends this mournful air to everything about Lewin Davis, the character and the and the movie. I, I couldn't I couldn't leave it off my top right. ten. Yeah. Uh, then my number seven is Francis Ha. I think we've talked enough about this movie on this podcast, but I mean, I genuinely love this movie. I, I love um, what Greta Gerwig does with the character. Mm -hmm. And there, if it weren't for the absolute emotional power of some of the other movies, it would have been higher on my list. And then last but not least, I will say All is Lost was a great movie. I felt like it got a little long. And, and again, in the face of some of these other performances where where the emotions were just, I don't know, that much more raw. Like, as much as I think that Robert Redford does something really masterful in this movie, it is sort of its own little odd experiment of a film. And it reminded me of Gravity. Mm. And I would say that if I was going to be a toss-up between Gravity and All is Lost being in my top ten, All is Lost was going to get the spot. Mm. But it's still, those types of survival stories still sort of sometimes pale in comparison <laughs> to a more intricate plot line that's got more moving parts in it. But yeah. uh, as cinematic experiences go, I don't think... I, I don't think a movie carried me off more than All Is Lost this year. Gotcha. Uh, number 10 uh, is going to be Rush. Ah, um, okay. Again, like Ronald, I think this is a movie that we talked about. Like, I think we talked about it like in one of our preview things. Like, And I was like, yeah, it's Ron Howard. It's got some good casting. And it should be probably pretty good, right? But I wasn't really interested in it. Like, I don't follow Formula One. Don't know the story. Uh, went and saw the film and I, you know, I was blown away. Visually stunning. I think all the racing scenes are just magic. Honestly, like some of the best, some of the best uh, sports, you know, shot scenes oh, I've yeah. ever seen in a movie. Um, and like you and I were talking, I think over text when you finally saw it, Ronald. I think it just like the way to differentiate each racing scene. Yeah, they like were from really each country different. and like you know using the elements or using a situation that's happening while this race is going on. It just really kind of kept me engaged the entire time. Casting was great. I thought Daniel Brühl was incredible, um, and even and Chris Hemsworth as well. I think I think playing that that James Hunt like that playboy athlete who you don't you don't dislike him. You know that's one of the cool things about this movie is like who do you root for really? You know they're yeah. both characters that have good and bad things about them, but really at the core of it they're just athletes trying to win. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I mean just an incredible engaging film. Uh, number nine um, is The Conjuring. The bottom five really kind of shifted around a lot, but they all kind of appeal to different parts of me. Mm -hmm. And uh, The Conjuring is absolutely that horror piece, and I feel like it's a, it's kind of sort of set the bar for modern day scary movies, in my opinion, in terms of building tension and not giving things away, and uh, you know, not relying on cheap sound effect scares and things of that sort. Um, but absolutely love The Conjuring. Number eight is The Spectacular Now. Um, this is like. You know, just a, the coming-of-age high school rom-com drama that just Can I say something? snuck up on me. What's that? Glad it's not in your top five. Thank you so much. Okay. God. I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. But I was, I'm was. i so glad it's not in your oh, top five. You didn't like it, though. I You'd be upset if it was in my top five. I would be upset. Saying. Okay. Well, it's not. It was It was fighting it out. But it, it was a good movie. It was a good um, movie. But I think one of the greatest things about that movie is just that, you know, Miles Teller's character... Um, you know, he's like that high school guy that everybody loves, you know, he's got it going on, quote unquote, yeah. but he really has a lot of problems. And like, there's a, the scene when he finally visits his dad in that drive home where he realizes what his life was, is, could possibly be. 
<clears throat> is uh you know is devastating. I think he's incredible in the movie, and mm-hmm. he's definitely like an actor to to look at oh, yeah. in the future in terms of what he's able to do. But um, you know, one minute you're laughing, and the next moment you're just like your heart's broken for m- more than one character. Yeah. And I think that's like you know, it feels like if John Hughes was still making movies, that's the kind of movie he'd make. Mm-hmm. And um, I've heard some people complain that they think that uh, Spectacular now kind of cheaps out at the ending. Do you think it's like no? I, I don't. I mean, it's. I didn't. I thought that was. I thought it was a pretty good resolution. It's like, it's like a note of hopefulness without being like too yeah. sappy. I thought, but. I yeah, because you people... don't like it. I don't think it ties it up nicely like some, even no. some of these types of films do. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was cheap. I think it was, it felt natural to me, and I don't think that it was like kind of what you just said. It didn't go too perfect. Yeah, you know, it kind of even leaves some things up in the air in terms of you don't really know. Yeah, what happens in that next shot? I mean, that's yeah. kind of yeah. cool. Um, what is that? Ninety-seven. Number seven is uh, about time. Uh, this is a movie that no one's probably talking about. Best of list this year. Uh, it was one of the ones that I made a list of movies I needed to see to be sure that I was seeing everything that might make my list, and then it just got kept getting pushed down. Um, but I remembered you saying it was good. I loved it, uh, obviously. Um, I'm a sucker, and this is a movie that devastated me. And it's super simple. Excellent performances, especially, uh, is it Bill Nighy? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he was in a lot of Richard Curtis's films. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, uh, Damal Gleason and Rachel McAdams, uh, just and even Margot Robbie from Wolf of Wall Street, she's in it in a small role that she's great. But just a movie, um, if you're not familiar with it, it's about this young man who finds out that the men in his family can can travel through time, and um, he kind of uses that skill to get closer with his wife and his family through situations that come up. And uh, it just reminds me of relationships, you know, like, you know, with your parents and with your... Specifically, this movie will destroy you and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. John, like, with your father. Yeah. And, you know, it just... I mean, and that's where Bill Nighy, he plays the father. He's just... I mean, he tore me apart in the last, like, ten minutes of the movie. Mm. And not even that I can relate in terms of what happens in the film, but just that relationship with your father and family and friends and loved ones that... You know, you question whether you would ever change something. And, you know, the realization is some things feel like they probably played out the way they should have. And mm-hmm. that's kind of really heavy at times, but just an incredibly, um, I don't know, well-made film, I thought, and just really got me uh, on an emotional level. So that's the, <clears throat> that's the sucker in me right there, number mm-hmm. seven. Uh, number six is actually uh, is probably another movie that most people have not seen, um, but it is actually uh, Jeff Nichols' Mud. Uh, this is a big part of Matthew McConaughey's renaissance or his comeback. What is he or, doing this? He's year? on fucking tear. He is. Have you guys watched True Detective? No. New, I downloaded no, I, I mean, it's, it's next stop. As oh, soon man. As we get it, it's, I the first it. episode was incredible. But uh, plus, it's like he and Woody Harrelson both yeah, have like been yeah. slowly developing into these like actors who you just notice. They just liven up a movie when they're in it. Yeah. And to see them together and almost playing against type from, from what I've seen. Like, yeah. That just seems... I don't know. I think that's... I love it when actors are at the height of their powers like like that. And I remember saying that about Matthew McConaughey last year with uh, Bernie, yeah. uh, Killer Joe, Magic and, Mike. and Magic Mike. And I, well, there may have been something else, too, that he popped up in. But either way, it's yeah. like, yeah, what a, what a, what a, how interesting for him to be at this point in his career where now he's had like the second year running of like being the best thing about or arguably the best thing about a handful of movies, you know? I mean, yeah, I mean, he is the guy right now, in my opinion. I mean, not in terms of box office success, but in terms of consistency. Last year, like John just said, and this year, he was in Wolf of Wall Street, one of the best scenes in that film, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, He was in 
Dallas Buyers Club, which I genuinely believe he has a shot of winning an Oscar at yeah. for Best Actor. And uh, in this film, Mud, you know, which is... You heard it here. Steve believes that Matthew McConaughey has a shot. I think he has a good I shot. What do you I think, like a one in five shot? <laughs> no, actually. I think it's a two-man race. Oh. Yeah. No, I think you might be right. I believe yeah. it is It is him and Leo, right? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Don't say <laughs> that. You'll get, yeah. you'll get people excited. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. But this 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 filmmaking, uh, I, I his performance in this is not so much as incredible as his performance in Dallas Buyers Club. But why do we all agree that Leo's not going to win? Like, why he, is that? He he he's just but not. But I mean, why is that? I mean, like that even the, the, you I know mean, what it is, man. He so Matthew McConaughey is doing something really fucking smart. He does what Joaquin Phoenix does, which I fucking love. Mm-hmm. He's choosing. Better roles, not bigger roles. Better roles. I mm. think. Each, Dude, I think Leo. Th- this is Leo that, is not Le- man. That's Leo. the best performance. If, if anybody else had played Jordan Belford in The Wolf of oh. Wall Street, that much bravado, that much know, just physical comedy, that person would win an Oscar this year. He's period. Man, I See, think I agree with Steve that he's that he's that good. Like, I think, I think he's, that particularly think, in that role. I think he's good. But I think he's fantastic. He chooses shitty. I I don't know, man. Like if. All right, so Are you I say think, he chooses shitty roles. Yeah, man, I think that a lot of his movies—you've got to be kidding yes, me! I think he's good. I think he's amazing. He I think is he might great. Be, listen, he might be one of the best actors that we're seeing in our time, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the movies are good. That Disagree. All it means that the Academy does not like him. <laughs> See, you I really think, that, think that's what it is? Absolutely. I, think I don't that know. Ha- man. I, well, I do think that happens, but I don't know, but, man. But not he's... to get off on an Academy tangent, but I would say that I thought you were saying something that I might kind of agree with, which is that. He doesn't choose roles that make him feel approachable and likable and warm. He tends yeah, to play these he, kind of these, these remote characters, these kind of extreme characters. Whereas okay. what, what he, Matthew McConaughey will do in, a, in to, almost any role is just like amp up the charm of yeah. that he character. He needs to get no more down to earth roles. Like I think that maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's the same idea. Like this, he plays these big roles. It, it's almost like Will Smith. Will Smith. He plays a lot of big roles. Some of them are all DiCaprio to Will Smith. <laughs> but 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 I mean the same idea is like DiCaprio takes on these huge roles and mm-hmm. he delivers every time. But what it does is it makes me not relate to him in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. In terms of his, I, I can look at him and say he is better than most actors. Mm-hmm. But I don't like any of the fucking movies like that. Like I think I think he is the best part of most things. But it's something about him, the roles that he chooses. You know what to expect from him. He picks the same type of roles. He doesn't really... I would be surprised if he played a guy that got AIDS. That would that would shock the shit out of me. He doesn't really take chances like that. Not not in terms of... Oh, you mean like Matthew McConaughey played a guy that has AIDS in Dallas Buyers Club and might win an Oscar for? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying, though? Like, it's, <laughs> he does not take risks in that way. Like, he wouldn't... He, I got you. Would he lose 30 pounds? For I, I was I, I was trying to picture him losing weight for a role, Hell and I was no, thinking man. like I don't know that Hell he would. No. He would. Well, just... I don't know. We can get more into that yeah. when we have our Oscar. Yeah, issue. that's true. We can get an episode. Get good news, folks. We can we can reopen this conversation in just a few weeks when we talk about. Don't the get Oscars. me wrong. I think Matthew McConaughey, best actor, uh, one of the best actors of our time. Like mm-hmm. we're watching a legend. Yeah. Perform, and he's young. Like he has. 20 more years on him. Well, I do remember when that first Wolf of Wall Street trailer came out, thinking Leonardo DiCaprio looks great in this, but what got me like over the top was the little snippet of the McConaughey scene yes. in the in the restaurant. So, I yeah, I do agree that there... But, I mean, that has something to do with just that person, whatever that personal charm is that he brings to those roles, whereas DiCaprio has this, like, he's working hard. It's like he feels like he's he's squinting. 
You know what I mean? To like, and, and I just think there's like different acting styles. I think that he's a, one of those actors who makes it look. He's he's not as he's just not as approachable, when, yeah. you know, as a as a character as as other actors. He dialed do. it up a little too much in Wolf of Wall Street too. See, Some just, of the I, scenes were like I don't want to suddenly up. turn into like a backlash. No, I'm not that. bashing. We'll the talk movie. about Wolf yeah. of Wall Street more. Let's let's keep okay. going here. Yeah, right. Sheesh, I, so I actually I had a quote that I'm I wanted so to read for Mud because I mean mm-hmm. I, again I think most people haven't even heard of this movie, um, but I don't know who this guy is, but uh, Mr. Peter Canavisi from mm-hmm. Groucho Reviews. I pulled a quote from his review of Mud. Because it, it, this is the best explanation of this film in one sentence that I could ever possibly look for. Mm-hmm. He says, Mud is a highly personal tale of undergrown men and overgrown boys experiencing the growing pains of love turned unrequited and the realization that nothing, not freedom, security, innocence, love, nothing lasts forever. And that is exactly what this movie is. Yikes. This is a movie about two young kids living their lives you know, looking for adventure, looking for craziness. It reminds me of Stand By Me a little bit. Yeah. Um, they meet this character, Mud, and he is just like, he, he's a page ripped out of an incredible fiction novel. Yeah. But, you know, things really start happening the way he explains them. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of really cool character. Uh, Mud, specifically Matthew McConaughey's character. Um, and it just has a lot of different elements. There's a bit, a bit about love. There's a bit about action. There's a bit about even a mafia angle. Um, and the child actors in it are great as well. Mm-hmm. It's really a beautiful film. You know, Jeff Nichols, if you've seen like... Uh, his other film, Take Shelter, was really great a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, he's definitely got to watch out for. But, yeah, Mud is just, uh, on the screen, the limited time that he has, McConaughey just tears it up. But it's really, you know, the kids. They And even Reese Witherspoon is great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's pretty, pretty, in pretty it. fierce in it, actually. Um, but the kids, uh, Ty Sheridan is the, the main kid. He is absolutely incredible. Um, so anybody that has any interest in what I just said, please go see Mud because no one else has watched that film. I want to see <laughs> Well, no, actually, uh, a friend of the show, Patrick... Okay. Has, has has I think mentioned that that was a great movie, and so that was months ago when it came out, and I remember thinking, oh, I got to see that, and I've thought that every yeah. every week since then. So I don't know why I, that was definitely one I'd hoped to see before we made our year. And that's list. probably the earliest film that made my top ten that I you know is from. I, I guess it started to come out in April, mm-hmm. but that was you know a movie that stayed with me and just like you know okay Matthew McConaughey is like ridiculously legit, yeah, and um, just he a is. cool it's a cool story. But yeah, that's my six. So we got those out of the way. Yes. Just to kind of take a step back for a moment, we mm-hmm. have a few more of our listener kick pops. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is the uh, actually, there's no logic to how we pick these. Yeah. So you know, you can just have a variety assortment at this point. But here is Ronald thought the last batch was mediocre. Maybe he'll really like this batch and he'll think that they're fantastic. Maybe. Let's check them out. Let's check them out. Please leave a message after the tone. Hey guys, it's Aaron. I'm just calling to let you guys know that my favorite movie of the year was Captain Phillips. I thought Tom Hanks was incredible. Every moment leading up to the end of the film, about the last 10 minutes, had me on the edge of my seat, and I just couldn't believe what was unfolding. Uh, So for that reason, Captain Phillips was my favorite movie of 2013. Thanks, guys. Hello, movie schmovie. This is Jonathan Eaton. Maybe not the best movie that I saw all year, but probably the one that I enjoyed the most was uh, Evil Dead, the remake. I haven't seen a horror movie uh, like that in a long time where the people making the movie really didn't give a shit about uh, how insane everything they were putting on screen was. Um, And I loved it. Hey there, this is Wendy Montalegra, and my favorite film for 2013 would be Her. 
I like the film the best because it's the one I most recently saw, much like Henry. <laughs> um, yeah, I just thought it was really cool um, and really, really well made and pretty good predictor of what's probably to come. Um, but it just seemed very natural and realistic. I just thought it was really, really great. Uh, this is Joseph Bridges uh, from Dayton, Ohio. Uh, my number one film of the year has to be 12 Years a Slave, and that's mostly because I have yet to see her and also inside Lewin Davis. There is nothing that has ever been so 100% visceral on screen and made me feel curious and uncomfortable and just so enamored with what was going on all at the same time. It, it, it is... Truly a 100% masterpiece, which we very, very rarely get, and uh, we have not seen for a few years now since, I think, Take Shelter was a few years ago, which was my number one a few years back. But, yes, my number one of the year for 2013 is 12 Years a Slave. Hey, friends. It's Kyla. So, um movie I pick is 12 Years a Slave. Difficult to say why that's the best just in so in less than 20 seconds that I have now, but um, brilliant actors, brilliant performances, brilliant work by Steve McQueen. It's just an amazing true story brought to life on this on the screen. I would recommend it to anyone. Just really the basis of being about humanity and and how it really makes us take a step back. I've never had a movie fuck me up so much, but in such a great way. And anyone who hasn't seen it needs to see it. This is the best movie I've seen in the last, like, in my opinion, five years. I just keep thinking about it. So, yes, 12 Years a Slave. Hey, movie schmovie. It's Lauren calling to let you know my pick for this year is um, The Wolf of Wall Street. I absolutely love this movie. I anticipated it for months, and it did not let me down. Um, I think the cast did an amazing job. And I'm so happy for Leonardo DiCaprio winning his Golden Globe last week. So, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street was my for 2013. Hi, Movie This is Leah Childers calling to let you know what my favorite movie of the year is. I would have to say it'd be Captain Phillips this year. Um, not only is it an incredible story and told very well through the movie, but Tom Hanks is spot on in his acting, and he's perfect. The man can make you feel emotions that you didn't know you had. Um, the end of the movie, the last 20 minutes just takes your breath away and, and makes you really feel like you were there. And I think that that really is an incredible movie. Some of the movie that can do that is incredible. So that's my favorite movie. Thank you. Matthew Scales, Fruitvale Station. Um, I chose this film as my number one film for 2013 because it was nothing like I've ever seen before. I think it's actually one movie um, throughout my 26 years where I've come out of the theater speechless. Name, Philip J. Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. Movie selection for 2013 would be The Butler. Brief reason why. It increased racial dialogue, uh, which is much needed, and highlighted important civil rights activities that uh, we all need to be made aware of. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, my name is Tom. The film I would like to choose is The Wolf of Wall Street. It is my favorite movie. I picked it because of the sex, the drugs, the lewds, the party. It's in Long Island. It's awesome. It's a great story. It's a true story. It's wild. And Leonardo DiCaprio and Jonah Hill were incredible. Thank you.
Hey, so those were <laughs> those were pretty good. Were they any better, Ronald? For me to poop on. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. stealing jokes. Stealing. <laughs> yes. Is this how you do it in the in the local stand up clubs, Ronald? You just hang around. I just swipe jokes. You, you do all. You do your, like jokes from the Conan O'Brien show from yep. fifteen years ago. Early early nineties. Yes, that's my that is my speech. That's my thing. Your speech. <laughs> I was going to say my, that's my spiel stick. Hey, that's my speech. My spiel stick. Um. So we're going to go down to five now. Okay. A little more. I'm not going to talk about this forever, but yes. Yeah, let, let's. Uh, yeah, this is going to be gonna, nice. I'm not going to. Uh, we have okay. a little more breathing room on these. Yeah. Five through one. <sighs> All right. Ah, and actually, guys, you'll be you'll be glad to know I actually just have five. Ah, no, uh, no, no more. Mm. We're not. No more walker. You're walkering. Right. I got it in. Done. Early. Yeah. All right. Ron, what do you got for five, Ronald? Spike Jones, you motherfucker. <laughs> you strike again with her. <laughs> her is a beautiful movie that was limited in terms of like I, I don't know like. It, Scarlett Johansson's <clears throat> voice, Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. The back and forth between them was so, I don't know, man. You, you, you kind of think about at, at some point in your life when you broke up with somebody, that sort of rawness that you mm-hmm. feel, and you want something amazing to happen. And when something amazing happens and it's unconventional, you know what I mean? Like Even if it's something like this, you, mm-hmm. you kind of... Your heart is ready for something new. Absolutely. And and when you see this guy kind of experience falling in love with an operating system, it seems absurd at first. You're like, man, that seems a little weird. Yeah. But then as you start to see how he interacts with it, I think in a lot of ways we we have things that we invest in that are that are kind of like that for us. And it's cool to see the range of emotion, and it's shot so closely, mm-hmm. and. The, the 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 colors are very uh the the it's a lot of like it's a beautiful film it's a beautiful yeah, film. It's like the colors are really kind of I'll go ahead and say yeah, this is the kind of movie that really cool guys put at number five on their list up yeah. top my brother <laughs> oh um, yeah so her was my number five too and cool. I I think the look of it that kind of hazy glow that yeah, sort that of soft glow. it was just it was I mean literally beautiful to look at in, in many scenes and it helped with the overall effect of just creating this kind of futuristic world and it helped with the it you know like the the color palette was right in line with the 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 design and the costumes and everything else i just thought it was a really well achieved like slightly dreamlike slightly yeah f- you know it, it was one of those movies that had the feel of being kind of like a fable without really you know without without also failing at at being what seemed to be a pretty well thought out view of the future so it had just just enough to make it kind of heightened but it really did kind of feel like 15 minutes from now this yeah. is what because pe- you know the scenes of people walking around dealing with their devices and not dealing with anyone around them same thing it yeah, was it's like that's basically that's basically any yeah. crowded you know uh like plaza in any city at lunch break that right now you know so yeah his relationship reminded me of kind of I, I mean aside from not knowing what she looked like obviously yeah but we do but, know, and don't you think that helps the movie? Yeah, that when you hear that voice, we're able to conjure up but even Scarlett Johansson Scarlett in our Scarlett Johansson's voice is a, is oh she's yeah it's yeah. great. But it reminds me of those times back before cell phones, where you would just talk to someone mm-hmm. and ha- and connect Definitely. with them that way. Like you, I miss that so much. Yeah, when you would like hear someone's voice and hear the inflection, and yeah. you can hear somebody smiling through the phone or sad through the phone, and. I, I miss it. I miss just sitting in a place and talking to somebody for an extended period of time. And I feel like I don't have that as much as I did. 
and I miss talking to women that I hadn't I'd met through a friend and I was talking to them and I was like, man, this is crazy that I'm have these heavy feelings for somebody I've I've yet to meet. Well, I think that let's you know let's tick off the things that this movie kind of deals with too because I think that I hear it referred to as a man it's all about you know mankind's relationship with technology and I just don't think that's really no. what the movie's about. No, I think no, it's I about so. the way that when you're in a relationship with someone you allow yourself to be kind of contorted and they and you also kind of contort that person. You know what I mean? Like you you become a different version of yourself with this person and you make them into a different version of themselves. And so the way their relationship evolves, like she's a synthetic personality, but she's got the upper hand at times and it's not all about him like retreating to some fantasy land. Like she's got she's complicated and she's got her ways of dealing with him that are not like his it's not like his dream date all the time. It's it's you know what I mean. Like there's yeah. there's arguments, but I also thought the movie dealt really well with that whole idea of is a synthetic experience different from a real one? Like an emotional. I mean that's like a philosophical question that yeah. going forward we'll probably have to come up more and more often. Which is if you're having all these virtual experiences, is that really different as far as the endorphins that go off in your head, right, and as yeah. far as the way you feel inside? Is that different from a quote unquote real? experience you know i think yeah. that the and it, so in that sense the movie was like operating on the level of a sci-fi film as well as dealing with this extremely like you said shot up close extremely intimate yeah. moments almost embarrassing moments between the two characters like when they're kind of being cute with each other and stuff it could almost make you cringe but it felt so warm and real and and even though it's not necessarily like a it's not necessarily like a happy ending for the romance in the movie it still had this feeling of I don't know. I felt myself thinking more about the connections between people at the end of that movie than I did think about the disconnectedness oh, yeah. of people. Yeah. But yeah, beautiful film. And let's just say again, Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin. like doing the opposite of what he did as Freddie Quell yeah. and being just as involving, just as engaging. It's, it was nice. It was nice. It's, he doesn't get enough credit. I don't think as an actor, I, this makes me kind of sad. The other thing I wanted to kind of point out about this film that is, is I think is kind of interesting is the fact that the voice actress was totally different before they brought in oh, yeah, Scarlett yeah. Johansson. I wonder what that... I mean, I guess that sort of thing happens a lot in movies where before they start shooting, but very seldom after a movie finishes shooting, do they replace a key player like that. I wonder I wonder if there's more of a story there, because it was... We thought it was Emily Mortimer, but I think it's Samantha, Samantha Morton. Morton yeah. yeah. So it's Samantha Morton, who is, you know, a pretty well-known actress, and I guess she has a distinctive voice, but it's hard to imagine her having the kind of impact that just within a few syllables Scarlett Johansson has. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of times that happens, like, more so oh, in, obviously, where there's pure voiceover, like, with animation. Yeah. You know, there was, like, stuff with that, like, with Despicable Me 2 this year and a couple other anima- animated films the past couple of years, but... Yeah, I mean, we were talking about that after the movie, just, like, wondering how you'd react to that. I mean, because I couldn't agree more. I mean, this film just missed my top ten, but... Uh, I remember, you know, thinking about Scarlett Johansson, <clears throat> just listening to the movie, you know, mm-hmm, like yeah. even in the in, in the scenes. And I thought you were just talking about like any any average oh, day yeah, when I mean, you might be days, caught thinking most, about Scarlett. I mean, Johansson. most days I do, yeah, yeah. But specifically relating to this film, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you wonder what it would sound like if it was Samantha. You know, obviously, there's something wasn't working. There's a couple of interviews where they were saying like, you know, they recorded it with everything with her on set and whatnot, and intended to have her be the voice, but yeah. you know, something just wasn't wasn't watching it back in post wasn't really working so uh, but i mean scarlett johansson just too bad you can't get an oscar for great voice work because yeah oof, have you me. noticed that the critical responses to her seem to go down between people who think of it as like a a view of a horrible future 
<laughs> versus a view of like an optimistic future. Yeah. I've seen so many people go on either side of it to say that like the tech becoming more human is like part of our evolution now. And I've also seen other people saying, well, look at this horrible existence the movie <laughs> really? depicts. Because, well, I mean, because again, I think in some people's mind, they see people staring at their devices and they see that as like the begin, you know, yeah. a continuing of a trend that everyone hates now. Yeah. But I thought that was—I thought it was neat when the movie pulled back, and you realize he's not the only one having a relationship yeah. with his OS. I thought that was really—that cool. was really great. Yeah. That was really very sad. Like it's like that feeling, like, man, this this whole energy that I thought I had. Yeah. Have you ever had that with a person you were dating? Though it's not like you feel like you own the person, but I think this movie hits at that that point between those proprietary feelings you have towards someone that you have a special relationship. Oh, with. Definitely. Yeah. So great, great movie. Great movie. Also, that like eliminates our picks. Yeah, well, you guys just talked about it. Oh so. shit! Yeah, <laughs> you don't okay. eliminate it. You both well, still yeah, have it. Is. Well, you know what I mean. Like that, yeah. that accounts for. That accounts yeah, for. Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. So now, Steve, you're number. So five. my number five is actually Paul Greengrass's Captain Phillips. Um, Interesting. An odd film too, because like talking about Rush earlier, I didn't really care about seeing Captain Phillips. Mm-hmm. You know, when we were talking about some previews. Um, I love Tom Hanks, but like I didn't know. I mean, I knew the story, but I didn't know about Captain Phillips and his and his the, the book he wrote and how Paul Greengrass was making the film or whatnot. Um, but is something funny, Ronald? You're laughing uh, as I'm talking. Steve, Steve, listen to me. I'm the captain now. Oh, you mean the guy that's nominated for an Oscar, right? Yeah. I'm the captain now. So great. Such a great scene. That whole movie was great. That's why they showed it like five times in the trailer. So much. <laughs> but yeah, just a nail biter. Uh, a movie like, you know, that kind of had your, or at least my adrenaline pumping the whole time, mm-hmm. which I was not expecting. That, that's what I think of when this movie really, like, when we talk about powerful things. Um, I just think Tom Hanks is completely understated in the performance. And it's it's not like I don't think it's as showy as a lot of his other acting gigs have been you know movies that he's been nominated for and even won Oscars for um, I'm a little bummed to see that he didn't get nominated today for it but I mean if anything to take away is the last 20 minutes of the movie um, you know period I have not felt a more emotional physical reaction to a movie in, in a theater in a long time and mm-hmm. not just like you know we talk about no, I'm okay with crying at movies yeah you know but my body was like shaking. Steve, we're real men who are real comfortable with that. We oh, cry. Yeah. We yeah. cry at movies. I, you know, it's, I don't know, it's like one of those weird things you're watching these nonfiction, quote unquote, movies that based on these true events and you know what happens, but you're realizing how well the film is made because you're still waiting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're still on the edge of your seat. And, you know, his use of the handheld camera, Greengrass is incredible with it. And, you know, he's probably. I don't know who else compares to the way he's able to do that, but the last 20 minutes of the movie, you know, how cool and how, I don't know, in the situation, cool and collected, you know, Tom Hanks remains as, as Captain Phillips and just to see the last 20 minutes, how, how it all plays out. And when he finally gets onto the, the Navy boat or the Navy ship and, you know, just lets it out. I mean, his, that moment, I don't know, man, I was just like shaking. My body was shaking Mm -hmm. and just imagining, you know, how he felt during that moment. And, and, uh, yeah, just, just a powerful scene and, you know, just, you know, expectations kill me a lot, you know, with these movies I talk and I'm guilty of making them suck for people in life and my friends and family Mm -hmm. because I build movies up way too much, but this is the exact opposite where like, I was like, Oh, it's Tom Hanks. I got to see it, but I can give a shit less about seeing this right now, but I'd heard good things, you know? So I went and saw it. And, uh, yeah, I think the other thing that really kind of got me was like the fact that 
Paul Greengrass even, I guess, gives any, uh, I don't know, that, that he even cares to give any kind of attention to the captor, you know, like the, yeah, the guys that are like taking the boat over, mm-hmm. you know, tells the you, Somali pirates yeah, the, the pirates, film, yeah. like kind of, you know, kind of gives a little more compassion to this film in a way that most directors probably wouldn't even really try to right. acknowledge, um, you know, showing where they are in their, you know, in their, in their villages and, and, and some of their motivations and such, whether they're good or bad, but kind of giving a little perspective, um, is, is something that I don't think is re- really rarely done in a film like this. And, you know, I think giving that attention is pretty, pretty incredible in itself, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. Captain Phillips was, uh, a surprise for me this year. And, uh, you know, I love Tom Hanks and he, he brought it for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, that's my number five. Okay. I really went into that movie thinking it was going to be about the guy from Captain and Tennille. <laughs> Boy, were you surprised. I know, I was kind of pissed off. Now, there's Sheesh. a biopic. I know, there's a story. Why does he wear that hat? I'd watch that. Yeah. All right, number four. Go for number it. Number four, um, Dallas Buyers Club. Man, um... You seem. You always seem like whenever you mention. I know. Movie, you always I seem momentarily disgusted. You're, like, you're surprised that you actually said the words. I think. Because man, you're committing to saying it at that point. It always. It always like. It always. Feels... I don't know. You know what? People have this thing they say. Some. Have you noticed when people say yeah, no, yeah. or no, yeah? Like they're saying one thing, but they they yeah. start with the other. You make like a sour face before you say something nice about the movie. You <laughs> yes. always go like, <sighs> like, uh, like it pains you to do it. That movie messed me up. I mean, it's a all right. So Matthew McConaughey is it Jared Leto or Leto? Leto. Leto. Okay, Jared Leto, being amazing. Um, He's incredible in that film. Yeah, like all right. So what I really like about he won a Golden Globe, right? He did, and yeah, he will win the Oscar. He will. Uh, siding with with characters that are that start off as awful people asshole assholes and really change like really change but not in a fake way what, what i really liked about him is that it's that thing it's like that that thing where like so i'll give you an example <laughs> i'll keep thing? i'll keep it super i'll keep you don't it, think saying that thing I'll was keep, enough <laughs> i'll keep it super anonymous about who said this i have a i had a friend somebody in my life that super was Super homophobic, super homophobic, and would say things all the time when when we were growing up, just about how things were, and this could never be this, and I would have. I'm person... homophobic. Look yeah, at yeah. me. I'm homophobic. And then one day, one day we were sitting around, and he says, "They should just get fucking married. Why would somebody ever not want somebody to get married?" That was the last thing I heard about it. <laughs> but this that's how this movie felt. It wasn't like a. It wasn't like an overwhelming corny sort of turnover it's it was real it's it's what happens when you get into these this real when you live life with somebody when you have these ideas about somebody and then you actually live your life with them and Mm -hmm. you experience life with them you get connected to them and you realize that the the ideas the things that separate us really don't separate us they Mm -hmm. shouldn't separate us race and and sexuality and all that stuff shouldn't separate people. And when you deal with somebody on a real, on a real sort of scale, and you're talking to somebody, you're seeing how they live, mm-hmm. you're seeing they experience real shit like you, especially AIDS, <clears throat> something that's killing you, you know, from the inside out, um, is just one of those things. It's 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 a beautiful movie, and seeing their interactions, especially seeing how Matthew McConaughey started and seeing him interact with the person that he called a faggot mm-hmm. so many times mm-hmm. uh, before he got to a point where he was like, you know, 
really close to him and and his his emotions his face his face when he would see that his friend was suffering and vice versa was just incredible jared leto was is a beautiful woman by the way that's, that's a weird thing but yeah it's it's a, it's a good movie man it bear, it just missed my list and i'm glad you said it because it, it definitely deserves the attention yeah i think uh yeah, Jared Leto is. I mean, especially because like you know he hasn't acted in a he hasn't been in movies in a while. You know he's been in a is couple. Is that why more people are like mentioning him than McConaughey? Because it seems to me that when that movie was coming out, I thought this is the big McConaughey movie. But Jared Leto seems to be the one people are are talking I, well, about. Well, I, I honestly you think, think it's because he just doesn't do that much. I well, I mean that's definitely part of it because you're like, oh, where's Jared Leto? Holy shit, there's Jared Leto. Well, he's like, either he's... gaining sixty pounds to play Mark David Chapman, right. or he's yeah. losing weight to play this guy. It seems I, I to me think... that he's one of those. He's like secretly one of those really motivated method actors who really right. disappears into a role, you know? Oh, totally. I mean, he's the guy, I mean, he, I was reading, I'm sure you read, like, he was this character for the entire time they shot the movie. Yeah, like, didn't the director say that he never met Jared Leto yeah, until exactly. after the fact? And, like, he was hitting on the director, you yeah. know, things like that. I mean, but, Jared Leto, as, as is that McCon- cool or obnoxious when actors do that? I don't know, I never can yeah. figure it out. <laughs> What's that? When you commit to the When movie they commit though. to the role so much that, like, on the set, that, like, you know, when, I guess whatever you have to do to get the yeah. performance. I'm not if criticizing that, it. If, that, if that's the output, yeah. then I'm, you do what you yeah. got to do. Yeah. But I don't know. I just I, I agree with you. I think that uh, devastating scenes, you know. I, I, I was going to say, as much as this is like Matthew McConaughey's movie, quote unquote. Is, yeah. Like I think, I, I personally believe that Jared Leto is the, and his character is the star, heart, emotional piece of this film. The scenes when he goes to his father for money, dressed as a man, which he he's just like hanging off of his body like a, like he's a skeleton. At that point, he, he kind of is, um, you know, and and how he, you know, how his character ends up in the film, you know, it, it's no surprise. It's no, you know, whatever. But that scene is horrible, you know, like yeah. that. And then, and unfortunately, and I, you know, not that I'm in the know, but I mean, you know, you're aware that that's how a lot of people that. Are going through that that's that's a lot of people how their lives kind of come oh yeah and it's just really hard to watch and uh yeah i thought yeah i love that film as well and i'm glad you said it like it's, it's gotten movie. plenty of attention but yeah. again another movie that really a lot of people haven't seen um because it is a smaller film still but yeah it's definitely really check it out it. if you can check i think that's one of those movies that comes out where everyone you know it gets the like recognition from the awards and people know it's supposed to be good but people don't always see it like yeah. even I myself managed to kind of postpone it in the name of other movies, but like I've I thought it looked like first thing I heard about it, I thought it sounded interesting, and then the big news was Matthew McConaughey losing all the weight. Yeah, I just think sometimes movies like that, they you see them on the horizon, and it seems like they're gonna be good, and then when they actually come amidst all these other movies, it sort of gets lost. Uh-huh. You know, like it was. Plus, did it ever go? I mean, it did it go into wide release after? I don't think so. Because I know, I know it was at the Charles no. Theater for a couple of weeks. That's kind of where yeah, it went. Yeah. I know wider, but not. It didn't get really. like a multiplex, yeah. like, you know, at the so AMCs and stuff. A couple, but. Well, my number four is a movie we've talked about at, at length uh, on this uh, podcast. So I won't, not this podcast, but another episode of this podcast. So I won't go into too much detail, but it, it, it really, it's one of the few movies from late in the year that I actually went back and saw a second time because over the holidays it was time to go see a movie and we actually had babysitters so I went out with my wife and my uh, sister-in-law and brother-in-law and we went to go see American Hustle which I had already seen and so it was fun to go back and sit down and watch and see how all the moving parts work together given that I, I you know I now knew what to expect I, I could track the characters and their interactions and it really we were talking before about the heart of that movie mm-hmm. it just 
I got I really got sucked in but there's so many great character moments in that there's so many moments where you are plugged into the struggle of the particular character at that moment that you know and particularly like with Bradley Cooper's instance where he's not even a character that in the end you end up with really warm feelings towards but mm-hmm. throughout the movie he's humanized and he's got these moments at home like with his mom where he's got the hair curlers in or moments where you can kind of see the hurt look in his eyes or even when he's being an asshole to Louis CK and he's making fun of him in the office and everyone's laughing and stuff there's just some moments throughout this where it just seems like the actors are having a blast playing yeah. these characters <laughs> and bouncing off each other and I mean you can't say enough about uh, Amy Adams in this role the fact that she is I mean I don't know is she considered the front runner for best actress who's the front runner no, for best actress Kate right Blanchett. now Kate Blanchett Kate Blanchett oh my oof. did you see Blue Jasmine yet mm-hmm. okay uh, see I should see it I should see it apparently you should is, is she's, that good? she's ridiculous she's that ridiculous a... in that movie okay, like... see I've always liked her but I've, I find some of her performances kind of cold so I don't know yeah. is she, oh, is it's she definitely in... cold yeah I mean she's a <laughs> Yeah. Is this in your? Okay. Is that gonna? Can I ask if, if that movie's in your top five? Well, it's definitely not in mine. It's not mine. Okay, <laughs> me either. But but her performance. Okay, so either way, but as yeah. I was saying about Amy Adams, amazing <clears throat> in this film. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who a lot of people are saying might get the supporting actress nod, although again, who's she up against? Is there anybody? Lupita. I, yeah. Okay. So there's there's definitely okay. like th- this does seem like the movie to beat in a way because as we were saying before, it seems like the kind of crowd-pleasing kind of fun movie with great performances it's got all the marks of like a big serious film but it's not really that challenging it is a little light i don't know that there's much there there at the very center of the story but but in a story about con men and con people i should say and how they they interact with each other i think that it's sort of appropriate that the movie itself is kind of a is kind of a trick you know that gets you to rooting for these guys and um I don't know. I mean, I know that we we all kind of uh, fawned over it a bit when we saw it before, but I I really do think that all the stuff about it that could be taken as kind of a knock is sort of part of the style of the movie. Like, David O. Russell knows what kind of mode he's working in. All those needle drops where they cut to slow-motion footage of people walking and they throw in some classic song. That's done with a little bit of a wink, I almost feel mm-hmm. like, in this movie. like that's Because oh, yeah. that's almost like a cheap trick in cinema. Is take take a cool song everybody loves, play it over cool slow-motion footage of everybody wearing, like, 70s clothes. It's like, you have your awesome movie. <laughs> but in this movie, there's so much inherent humor just in the way that people dress and the way they're acting and the, so much about the appearances they're trying to put forward that these characters who you do sort of worry about in some vague ways like you don't really want to see them go to jail you don't want to see them get tied up with these mob guys but the stakes are relatively low for this type of movie and it really was just a, in the end an opportunity to spend time with these with these characters which which I enjoyed thoroughly so mm. it was my number four as well oh, okay awesome um, not to repeat too much of what you said but yeah the acting was incredible the fact that there's I mean in, in, in some way all four acting all four actors at the front and even Jeremy Renner thought was great who I know you Ronald when we saw you don't really normally like him and you were you know kind of impressed by his performance what did you call him the shitty is that uh, the guy who you called I called the, him a shitty, shitty something, something else yeah I, I can't him, remember you have to go back and find that I called him another actor's name <laughs> or, 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 or is Ryan the Riddles the shitty version of somebody or is there somebody that's a shitty Ryan Reynolds Chris Pine not Chris Pine no. the other guy uh what's um, uh Captain Captain America Shitty Chris Evans. Shitty Ryan Reynolds. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's yeah, what you yeah, call yeah. Shitty Ryan Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> Shitty Ryan Reynolds. So. <clears throat> yeah, the only thing I wanted to add is just like the finesse in this film. Like I think the filmmaking, a lot of people were comparing it to like kind of like Goodfellas-ish, you know, oh, like yeah, it's yeah. like a Martin Scorsese film that, you know, he didn't make or whatever. Yeah. But I think, you know, what really separated a lot of people comparing this to Wolf of Wall Street is that this definitely has the characters, you know, people that are, I don't know, people that are 
weak, you know, that have vulnerability, yeah. that have heart, even, you know, you f- see and you feel towards the end. And, and, and Well, they bond over music they like and they, yeah. and they have to conspire and they, I mean, it's like there's, there's like camaraderie amongst yeah. these weird characters, whereas in... And even when they hate one another, you know, specifically with like Jennifer Lawrence and Christian Bale's scenes together, you know, even when they're at each other's throats, there's still like a heart to it. Yeah. You know, the scene where... She's basically turning around mm-hmm. what she did as helping it. him. Yeah. It's great because, yeah. like, you're like, she does, she kind of cares about, she still cares about him. Yeah. It's not right, but they're, they're not right, but. Or she's almost like willing to go behind his back, but she can't deal with the personal pain of him coming in and accusing her of betraying him. Right. That, that, I agree. Everything you said. Uh, number four, I think, they don't, you know, people like the critic, you know, the critics that say maybe it felt a little messy mm-hmm. at times, which maybe it did, but I mean, these people were a little messy. You know, especially like when you're trying to be was... somebody else, you know, in this yeah. film, if you think about it in context, like maybe maybe that's what happens. You know what I mean? Like this story is kind of quite the thing to try to get your mind around, especially when they're making shit up as they go. So I know we've talked before about not wanting to make excuses for directors with like saying, oh, well, that messiness was deliberate. But I really do think David O. Russell knows that he's merging like a, a kind of character comedy and a, and a Scorsese-ish sure. kind of, uh, you know, again, it's never quite like a crime thriller, but it does have some of those elements. It's like, I think he knows he's doing a little bit of a mashup, and I think the messiness just kind of comes from him saying, yeah, I'm going to have this type of movie, but these are the characters that we're spending time with. So, fun, fun, American Hustle. Number three, Ronald, what you got? Uh, Francis Ha. You son of a bitch. I don't have it. <laughs> I fucking hate that movie. I know you hate it. Fucking hate I just it. don't like seeing it higher on the list than John's. Uh, the reason why I really like this just movie. Just like he was going to be upset with you if Spectacular Now was in your top five. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've now done the I thing. Was, You've upset I was, Steve. I would have been so furious. Um, not that not the spectac- Spectacular Now was a good movie. I think that I don't see very many movies with accounts of women that are done in a way that shows vulnerability without making somebody seem weak or, or like disrespected and no boobs are shown yeah. and all these all these cool things and the dialogue was felt real to me. I mean sure it was an account of somebody's life that I can't relate well, to. Well I wanna say I think you've come a long way when I started doing this podcast, I don't think you would have said no boobs were shown and lots of other cool things. <laughs> I just wanna say I think you've come a long way. You've matured. Come... Yeah man, because everybody knows I'm a you just get your boobs from other movies. Yeah, you just don't look. To he has a Noah whole Bombach separate collection films. for that. <laughs> yeah, streaming porn sites. That's where I get it from. We know that you didn't have to yeah. say that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 refreshing that I, I saw a movie about uh, the lead. Kind of, it's kind of like kind of reminded me of a Woody Woody Allen movie. But it was a, a female lead, and and it felt, and the creepy pedophile didn't direct and it. And the creepy pedophile that slept with his stepdaughter. Yeah. So it just felt very fresh. I mean, like even though it was it was it felt like Woody Allen, it also felt fresh. I love that it was done in black and white. I mean, sure that might be like a hipstery cliche for yeah. me to like something like that, but like uh, it's something something felt very good about it. And whenever I think about top movies or something I should introduce to somebody that's a little off off the beaten path I, I think about that movie so that's why it's my, my number three. yeah I mean I loved it too and I think that as far as character studies go Steve we've talked about how you just don't like this person you don't really want to spend time with this person <laughs> it was like a warm movie to me like I left that movie with just a big smile on my face yeah, so I enjoyed it 
well, I'm, I'm going to go with the hipstery black and white choice as well, but a different film. But uh-huh. the Nebraska, uh, directed oh, by damn. Alexander Payne. I've seen that. Um, you know, this movie stuck with me for some reasons, I think, that are more personal. But in, I think in terms of just movies that I enjoyed the experience of watching them, it was very much like what I just said about Francis Ha. Just, I, I came out just feeling good. I, fe- I came out feeling like I had. it wasn't about death it wasn't about divorce it wasn't about destruction it wasn't about like this family finding out dirty secrets and being destroyed it was just sort of you know about managing a a rough period and you see bruce dern's character as a guy who's kind of you know he's he's he he's not quite senile in the sense of of totally disconnected from reality but you do see he's a guy who's who's got some little kind of stubborn behaviors and he's kind of set in his ways and seeing how this adventure they go on, this journey they go on in the movie to pick up this, you know, the premise is that they're going to go pick up this this check that they've won that we know is not really anything he's won. So the whole thing has this kind of fool's errand quality to it. But seeing the way Will Forte just indulges his father's fantasy of what this is going to be because he kind of wants to throw his old man a bone. I mean, if you yeah. watch the trailers, you would think that it was about this crotchety old grump who kind of makes everybody do things for him. But the movie's really not... Like that, it's much more about a guy who's kind of disappeared into his own, into his own shell, and how Will Forte really wants to see his dad not so much proven right, but wants to wants to, to let's stop giving him a hard time and let's just let's just indulge him, you know. Yeah. And I think that that was just so sweet. And the way the movie comes around, I will say that I've heard people say that it had kind of a sugar-coated ending. I don't know what they were talking about because the movie had a very practical, very grounded, but still somewhat uplifting ending. And and to say that it ends at a moment where Will Forte is literally looking up at his dad. I mean, they conspire to have a situation where he's actually down lower and he's looking up. And there's this moment of, like, just love where he, you see that he loves this old man. And I don't know, part of that just really resonated with me. I mean, I've, you know, as I've mentioned before, I did lose my father this year. So that definitely deepened my feelings about this. But I think I would have been pretty smitten with this film on any year. The only difference is on any other year, I would have rushed off after it was over and said, Dad, you got to see this. Whereas mm-hmm. this year, I could just sort of have that conversation inside my own head. But I just thought it was that it was that movie I wanted to see that that, uh, you know, that old like the funny, quirky human movie that I wanted to see this year and and it it fulfilled that and I know I've mentioned this before too but I'll just give a last uh, mention of Will Forte's role I love when com- when comic actors dial it down and do something really understated and so much of the movie as great as Bruce Dern is as great as June Squibb is as as good as uh, Bob Odenkirk is Will Forte if he didn't have the right kind of hangdog going with the flow uh, sort of energy to bring to this movie I don't think it would have felt as as grounded and I think that uh, I think that it's easy it's almost easy to miss the accomplishment of an actor who just understates it and and tries to behave like a normal human being might on yeah. screen so yeah I mm. really enjoyed Nebraska. Nebraska and I will say too the soundtrack to this movie is one where I was humming the tune a little bit as I was leaving the theater and I've actually gone and grabbed a couple of tracks from it too. So it's like, it's quirky music. It's the same kind of music you hear under the, under the trailer, but it's this kind of minimalist music with guitar and a little bit of trumpet. And it's like a small combo, but it's that perfect, it sets the perfect mood for the movie. So I would say also seek out the the soundtrack to hmm. uh, Nebraska. Nebraska. Number three for me is a movie that I have a feeling is going to be on your higher list, but um, <laughs> it's 12 Years a Slave, Steve McQueen's. I'm not going to go too deep. I'll give it to you guys, but I just want to say you'll... No. 
knowing and how you feel about America's like primal sin, you'll never feel the same after seeing this yeah. film. And that's exactly how I went in feeling it, uh, or came out feeling, uh, even knowing what you guys had been raving about and everybody else in the world has been as well. Um, being able to watch a movie that makes me that uncomfortable and that makes me hate things so much to see it depicted changes it yeah and i mean i think the big thing is that some people would just say or i would say maybe movies like this or you know past films about slavery and whatnot a lot of them kind of just aim as a aim to use itself as like a teaching tool about i don't know like just i don't know cruelty and and pain Mm -hmm. and things like that but i think where this film kind of turns the corner and makes it something unique and 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 you know no doubt the single best thing ever made about slavery and well best thing but like the most oh yeah inf- inf- just powerful and important let's just get past that it's hard to talk about this movie without sa- it's like when you someone, sound like an asshole like, like post- i love this movie about this it's, it's, <laughs> it's not like that when someone posts yeah. something on facebook that's like something sad about and you someone like their, it and you have yeah, to like, yeah, like my mother's just got diagnosed no. with cancer please send your thoughts yeah i like that yeah it's like no to say that you enjoyed this movie or that you that liked this movie or loved this movie means that you were you were you were swept away by Absolutely. the achievement of it. So yeah, yeah. Let's, we don't have to. All I want to say, that. I won't go any further because I'll give it to you guys. It's just my point was is where a lot of these past films, you know, they really used it as a tool to show like the cruelty and and how horrible it was and the suffering and whatnot. The turn here is the idea of experiencing this from somebody's angle who should really have never been there, you know, right. and no one should have. Right. But somebody that had experienced a world that was not that and lived mm-hmm. his life in a world that was not that. So turning that corner and showing that perseverance and 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 even at a point, a, a sense of forgiveness, that that's not something I've ever really experienced or seen on the screen in terms uh, of this subject matter. Every performance I thought was incredible, even smaller, you know, um, you know, I got to give my love to my boy Brad. You know, yeah, um, yeah, as as the turn in the film, but um, the wife, Michael Fassbender was incredible. The wife Sarah Paulson, uh, just I mean everybody. And, you know, and I've, just a hard film to watch. Uh, like you guys had said, you guys hit it on the head. I mean, like you know, scenes play out longer than you've ever expect them to, and it makes you uncomfortable. And I think making you uncomfortable and challenging challenging me and and you as a viewer like that is what sets you up to experience the next scene in ways that you've never experienced this subject matter before. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, 12 Years a Slave... Which is weird that people will criticize it, just like criticizing the excess yeah. in Wolf of Wall, Wall Street. Street yeah. Criticizing, it's like you're meant to feel that that's excess. You're meant to feel that what's going on in 12 Years a Slave is like a few shades beyond what anyone should have to go through. Yeah. Yep. I mean, and, and the thing that's interesting too is that walking with Solomon through this journey, like where he's meeting these men and women who were born into this, you know, and who, you know, had no other life, you know, like that's just an incredible way to, 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 to align this and to, to, to frame this out for you mm-hmm. as a viewer. It's just mm-hmm. like, you're seeing it kind of how he's seeing it, but he's experiencing it, you know? And it's just like, it's ridiculous. And it got it, some criticism great... for that, for the fact that it didn't depict like an average experience. But I think there's something about for modern audiences. I think you need that you need that gateway character that's going to oh, yeah. take you into the world. And if it had been, you know, if it started in in Africa or if it, like the Amistad approach, if it had started, yeah. that, I just don't. I think that's a different story. I think this had a different thing on its mind. It wanted you to deal with that conflict of what you just said, Steve. Of this guy shouldn't be here, and then wait, nobody should be here, and then it's like, wow. So he's he's got a chance at being saved because he shouldn't be here. But all these other people, they shouldn't be here either. 
but they don't have any chance of being, you know, they don't have any chance of being saved. I think that conflict in the central, oh, like yeah. the conflict inside uh, Solomon Northrup of that, of knowing that he had a shot at being saved. And it was like, at first he thought, wait, this is unfair. I shouldn't be here. And then in the end, he sort of, you can tell, feels that it's unfair that he should have a, a shot. I don't right. know. I find I find that yeah. part, that conflict is something that, that sticks with you, you know? Well, the fact that it never drops that, I think, is what, you know, I think that just heightens how unnatural it is. Mm-hmm. And never letting you forget that he's a free slave. He's a free man, you know, and, but mm-hmm. now is a slave. And, you know, that just, I think he, that allows you to never forget how unreal this feels. And even in, like, Mac, Michael Fassbender's uh, character, you know, who is definitely the, the meanest of who you run into, I think that you almost sense that he knows this is not natural, which is why he is so fierce about it. Yeah. You know, there's scenes when he's, like, you know, with, with Lapita's character and, and things like that where he's being questioned by his wife where... Even though he's a complete monster, like I don't know if you guys experienced that or not. Like I, I, I got a I, sense, I oh, yeah, yeah. a sense from him that like he felt like he had to be this fierce to make this make sense, mm-hmm. you know. And that's that's ridiculous, man. Well, have you ever thrown yourself further into something because <clears throat> you can't quit it? It's like a relationship, Absolutely. that's so unhealthy that to question it means that you have to question everything. That's and it. That the walls are going to fall in on you. But if you keep going forward, then you know, bingo. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's all I wanted. I know that's more, but (laughs) you guys can talk more, but I know that you guys were all over it. And I mean, I'm glad that I actually saw it for the episode. I was worried I wouldn't, but um, just an incredible film. So number two. Uh, My number two is, uh... so I I saw another documentary. What was the name of that documentary about the woman and all that stuff about the family? It starts the Uh, stories we tell. tell. Stories we tell. Great documentary. That just missed mine. Yeah. Okay. So great documentary, right? Yep. So and also snubbed at the Oscars. absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, but that's not my pick. Uh, well, my, yeah, obviously, my pick is actually the act of killing because um, I think there's something really innovative about the approach that was taken <laughs> to show you what it was that happened. There's one thing to to hear somebody talk about it, one thing to <clears throat> show old footage, but to have one of the participants in the murder of almost a million people, over a million people, engage in the acts that, that kind of led to some of the most brutal murders of people that I'd ever, I mean, I'd ever heard of, is one of the most interesting things I think I've ever put myself through. It's so twisted, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's you know what I mean. Like what the movie's depicting yeah, is so twisted, and like doing. how what it gets at by 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 depicting it that yeah. way, getting the guy to come back and reenact yeah. and kind of be proud. But then if you stay on him long enough, you just might catch a few moments where it looks like he's rethinking and reconsidering. Yeah. But he's never going to let on about a that. Moment. But you might catch it on camera. Uh, yeah, that is so. It's a rough thing. Like when he's the part where he's like got the guy sitting on the ground and he's miming like putting the putting the uh, wire around his neck yeah. and he's pulling like that scene is just. The craziest fucking thing I've ever seen on some level. You that know? scene is crazy. And the scene, the scene where the guy that was there when he was killing oh, people. Yes. And he's like, you you killed somebody I love. Oh, yeah. And when, then he's just like, uh, <laughs> and he like breaks. It was, it was yeah. mind boggling. What am I watching when I'm yeah, watching what, that? What, yeah. am, what, am I, what am I in right now? In mm-hmm. a movie that can... That's, this is what's so crazy about that movie. You can watch... I've watched videos of people being killed, people being... Animals being... The fact that I can... I have seen things like that. I can watch this documentary and be sickened. Yeah. More than I, any of these videos that I've ever seen. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's telling about how well the story was told. So I think that I think you owe it to yourself if you can stomach it mm-hmm. to watch the act of killing. I think it's one of the. It is a long and it is it is it is challenging. I would say, and oh, I think a lot yeah. of times documentaries that we end up talking about are those. I mean, documentaries like The Imposter or uh, mm-hmm. Queen of Versailles. Mm-hmm. These are like super entertaining movies that just kind of grab you, uh, uh, pull you in. A movie like Act of Killing, it took it takes a while before you really sink into the rhythm of that movie. I think that, especially in America, um, we take our freedom for granted. Like, we take all of this for granted. And, and sometimes to see just how terrible it can be. How terrible it was is a valuable thing for me. For me, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I like to be like, oh, okay, this is why I'm enjoying this because it could be half of my family could be murdered yeah. in a in a in the streets of Indonesia or what you know what I mean? That's like a weird idea. So it's 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 a cool look at something I didn't I never thought that I would ever get so emotionally kind of devastated watching. So yeah. Act of Killing is my number two. Well, my number two, we Talked about it just a few minutes ago, but Twelve Years a Slave. Um, okay, I, I think it it was. I mean, it was. You know, I've said that the movies on my list changed location mm-hmm. on a regular basis. Twelve Years a Slave was always at number one or number two on the list, just because I knew when I saw it that it was going to be hard for a movie. Kind of what you were saying about the act of killing in a way, and kind of what you said too, Steve. It's just that the importance of it would be enough, yeah. almost. But then, like, last year we saw, you know, we saw Django Unchained and we saw Lincoln. And those movies felt like they were kind of important because they were dealing with this subject that hadn't been dealt with as extensively. And then along comes a movie that the important... I mean, if you're going to talk about the importance of that, this movie is so much more important as right. far as what it depicts and how it depicts it. It doesn't give us the the distance of a revenge fantasy or the distance of, you know, the politics, dealing with the politics of the time. It's all about that human experience. Mm-hmm. It's all about just a nightmare that this guy goes through. And the I mean, to, just today, I was uh, I was looking for a pen and I found a pen and I started to write with it and it kind of ran out of ink and I had to go find another one. And it made me think of that sequence in 12 Years a Slave where you see him trying to make, trying to use the berries to make ink and trying to, and how like, I mean, again, not to say like that my struggle, that I'm always comparing myself to what what slaves went through, (laughs) but just in that moment, because I was thinking about making this list, I had that thought of like, oh yeah, because it doesn't even really work out. My whole point being that like in the movie, you you see that there's trial and error involved. He doesn't have anything. And the notion of it, of the power of being able to write and send a letter and how important and powerful that was for that character to get a message out to somebody and how someone can actually stand there and prevent you from, I mean, even prisoners get to send letters and make phone calls, you know? (laughs) So to think of like that, ah, that, that being treated as a subhuman, I just find it so heartbreaking. And so, Yeah, it still it still sticks with me as just a visceral experience when I think about that movie. I may sit down to watch it again, but that movie might be the, one of my prime contenders for great, but never need to no, never need to put myself through one it. and done. Like I would like for I would like for for my wife to see that film just so we could talk about it. But yeah. I also I could see her. You were mentioning that when you watched it with your significant other, yeah. they didn't want to stick around. I could see Nikki being kind of like, "Why am I watching this?" At some point, you know. Yeah, I mean, we yeah, Aaron tried to watch with me, and I mean, the, mm-hmm. there's a scene we talked about before we recorded. Just the, you know, there's a hanging scene, and yeah. that, you know, these scenes that just stay on it. Well, the actual event that that's it. based on supposedly was like the better part of a day. 
And that's why in the movie it's 90 seconds, but it, which feels like an eternity. But what, what they're feels, trying to is communicate... Is it only 90 it, seconds? I think it is. Wow. I think it, it is. It feels like longer than that. I, I mean, so I believe long. you. Maybe it is. It I, I feel like, like I heard... Minutes. But the fact that you see things happening in the background, people walking around, yeah. the, the lighting changing, I mean... I might be wrong. I've pulled that number completely just, out of thin air, but I feel like I heard that. Yeah, that you was, may be right. I mean, it doesn't. Regardless, it feels like a lifetime. Yeah. And I mean, and you know, and but yeah, the light changes and the people, and people are doing things. Yeah. Like slaves are working in the background, and this yeah. guy is just hanging, and he's got like his toe on the ground. Like, mm-hmm. it's insane. Yeah, it's, it's hard to watch. That that moment when he looks at the camera for a second, I I mean, I I could close my eyes and still feel that stare on me, and I don't. I think I said this when we talked about it before. I don't think. It was an actor looking at me. I feel like it was a character. There was something transcendent about that. The, the accusation inherent in that yeah. in that look. And I think you know, I've done I've done a lot of reading since then. I mean, there's maybe there's been a lot of press about it, but I've definitely caught up on this whole idea of like white privilege mm. and like the imperceptible advantage that people uh, have. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, it's so... This shit that's going on in that movie is still so alive and, and well in our culture today. And you I mentioned agree. it as kind of our, our, our nation's unforgivable sin. It's, it's there. It's alive and well. I mean, even though we've, we've pretty well moved past a lot of it, but it's still... We're, yeah, yeah. we're still soaked in it, you know? Definitely. So, yuck. Yeah. Yuck. Uh, my number two is actually The Wolf of Wall Street. Um... <laughs> Why are you laughing at all my picks, Ronald? Did I, I laugh at any of yours? No, I think that I was like, a full-on scoff. I, I feel like <laughs> insulted right now. No, I think that you have be... Francis Ha on your list. This... How many nominations did that film get? <laughs> Zero. Oh, okay. No, this, not that, that matters this, at all. But... This is what, I'm so conflicted about that movie, man. It, it was number ten on your list. No, I mean like, uh, but but I, it's it's eight spots it, higher for me. What could, what's sometimes I can wake up and be like, this isn't my top five, and then of course that yeah, I mean, fucking, well, you seem to like it a lot. Are more you the scoffing night we as saw it than, yeah. than you did when you talked about it tonight? But it's but I, I agree, it, it's a conflicting movie. It's a I mean, conflicting it, movie. Yeah. Go ahead. Man. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just I felt like it's the shortest three hour, three hour movie I've ever watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like you know I felt leaned forward. I'm glued to the screen. My mouth was open, either laughing or just in complete awe of what mm-hmm. was happening. Um, I thought Leonardo DiCaprio, I think it's his mess, best performance he's ever done. Um, yeah, I that think qu- he that was, Quaalude scene, I still play I in my it's, mind. It's going to be a, it's the scene that will forever be referenced. It's it's yeah. a classic Scorsese scene, you know, like, you know, we talked about it a lot recently, so I'm not going to stick on it too long, but, yeah. you know, that scene is physical comedy that I don't think anybody thought would come out of Leonardo DiCaprio. Ever. Um, it's hilarious. The scene with Matthew McConaughey is incredible. Another scene I think people will reference in the future. Um, yeah. I've never done drugs in my life, but I feel like I was sort of experiencing a d- yeah. drugs when I was watching some of these scenes in this movie. The drugs were just part of it. Like, that's how they maintained uh, yeah. those personalities oh, that yeah. they needed to, to do what they were doing. Yeah, and I think it was disturbing. It was funny. It was entertaining. It was smart. Uh, you know, I, I get the criticism that it that mm. it's carried. You know, mm-hmm. people that haven't liked it, even people that I know that I've recommended it that didn't really respond to it. And it's because you know there is really no silver lining to this film. I mean, you know, I think it's just you can laugh at it, but then you really I think that's what was kind of interesting is like some people don't take it that way. It didn't occur to me until after I thought about it, but that last shot of the people looking at him, like in the seminar that he's giving. Mm-hmm. I think that's supposed to be us. Absolutely. I mean, I think yeah. he's... But but is Scorsese sort of saying, you guys are all so fascinated with this guy, 
But he's also the guy who presented him in the most entertaining way possible. Yeah. I know we kind of. I, mean, I think. Don't you think we're supposed to have that feeling? I agree. Of I do. Discomfort. Yeah. I mean, I think after the fact, you realize that. I mean, yeah. and even and even how overt he is is you know even when he's in prison or you know going to be in prison and like I think it may even be one of the last lines in the film when he's like, you know, discussing how he's going to be away for so long and blah, blah blah. But he's like, in a world where money matters or whatever, is like I'm I'm rich. You know, and I mean, that's just, I think that really just kind of, if you miss it, I think that's that's really just the, how egotistical and how this happens every day mm-hmm. in a lot of skyscrapers in New York City and around the world, this still happens. And yeah. we'll laugh it off and whatnot, but I think it just turns around and says, as entertaining as it is, as crazy as it is, this is, you know, this is, you know, this is what it is. You know, people live like this still, and he's yeah. just an example. And there's more people out there that were even worse than him. And, uh, but I mean, you know, regardless of how you take its message, if I take it as 180 minutes of entertainment, I don't know. I've never spent 180 minutes. It's, it's well worth it. You know, the way I spent it watching this film and, uh, yeah, I just loved Wolf. Yeah, I think it, it may have been the most exhilarating movie I saw all year. I didn't have more. Sense, I, I did not so have too. more fun in the movie theater. I don't mm-hmm. know the last time I had that much fun watching a movie. Yeah. In, in recent memory. Honestly. That movie was insane. It, it's yeah. and you know you say that you like impact oh that movie was insane that movie was insane literally I don't think, yeah yeah I don't think I've ever seen a movie that bonkers from mm-hmm. beginning to fin so start to finish yeah so yeah I, all I right what you got Ron number one this you is know, it buddy you know what it is what is it it's twelve years of slave anything to add to it uh yes okay it's not a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan the <laughs> third curveball. So, so I think there's something very beautiful about this movie um Steve McQueen. You care. Married to a Caucasian woman. His mm. wife presented this book to him at some point, uh, like a couple years ago, and said, mm-hmm. you need to read this book. He read it, and it inspired him to make this beautiful movie. Right. I mean, okay, so beauty, beauty, beauty. What is beauty? Beauty is... Um, natural. When, natural, and it's a reflection of a reality. Sometimes sure. I think there's something very beautiful about bringing things to the light that people really don't like to acknowledge, and the the whole idea of white privilege and stuff like that. As a as a black guy living in the world, I hear a great deal of dismissive things about um, how how my race affects my life. Like like the the level of aggressiveness that I I face <clears throat> is not real. Mm-hmm. The level of uh, like weird that I hear. Well, you something. post occasionally stuff on Facebook, yeah, that's, like that's all... what people will questions people will ask you, yeah. or pe- people telling you that you're well spoken and yeah. shit like that. It's a, it's, it's just it's complete. A I mean, again, a, a person like me hears that and goes, I mean, by by that I mean a person who likes to think of themselves as pretty informed. Mm. You know, like I'm I'm compassionate, I'm and I'm informed, and I'm I'm open minded, and I'm still shocked. That someone would have the People gall, the stupidity, the, the ignorance, whatever that is, to actually say yeah. to a young African American man how well spoken they are. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, what did you expect out of me? You know, it's a very strange thing. And 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 I guess what it is is sometimes um, I function in the world and I feel like a human being. Like I feel like I'm a part of everything. And then I'll go to work, the force. or I'll go to work, or I'll be out, and I'll hear something that make like. I still there was something in that there's something in that yeah. I, and, and and people kind of remind you that no matter what people still view you a certain way and and this movie sometimes movies like this have to be made to kind of remind you 
things were awful and people were awful. But most importantly, the things that happened are affecting now. It's affecting now culture. And and you can ignore it all you want. It, it, it doesn't affect everybody. That's one of those things. Like, I, mm-hmm. I can't talk about... Like, I can't account for everything that happens to women. Women are like... People treat me like shit because they don't believe that I'm qualified. So imagine that that on that scale, but for everything, like not well spoken enough. Can't do this. Sure. Don't you know? And I hear that those sorts of doubts. I, I remember working at Apple and actually having a guy say he's black. I don't want to work with him. I've heard things like that. So to hear things like that is a weird thing, and to see this movie is a fucking good thing because I'm like, part of me is like, I hate that they're talking about this, but I'm like. This has to be made. People have to know that this is happening. Yeah. And it's not even in like a shitty like pointing at people. Because I'd like to consider myself one of the most open people. I love everyone. But things like this have to exist. Even white people. Even white people. <laughs> oh, Ron, thank you so much. Even white people. On behalf of white people. It's a, it, I got to tell you. I got to tell you. In, in real life, man, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing that you have to battle all the time because you hear weird things all day. Like mm-hmm. people say crazy. I, that's a fraction of the things I hear. The, like the, the things I put up on. My, the harsher things, the weirder things, I just... I'd rather not, cause it, cause it, I feel like it's almost incriminating those people, and I don't want, I don't ever want that to happen. I want somebody to like, be like, like Matthew McConaughey's character in Dallas Buyers Club, to just live and be like, man, that was fucking dumb. Mm-hmm. Those things that I thought about this person, yeah. and 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 I don't want to return it with hate. That the thing is, that doesn't accomplish anything. Nope, it doesn't accomplish anything bringing light to it is funny and 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 the humor is that's kind of how humor became like a big thing for me so um talked your head off about that but yeah this movie is my number one because it it was necessary it had to be made um i felt the same way about django but this is different this is like well django was like someone needed to someone needed to address it like, there was something cathartic about Django addressing it like it was just any other fodder for storytelling. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. to say we, this can be the, which is in a way is offensive to say this is the backdrop to a certain <laughs> type of story. But in another yeah. way, it was like revolutionary to say, no, we're going to deal with this in a way that it hasn't been dealt with. But yeah, yeah. 12 Years a Slave is just unflinching yeah. in the in the things it makes you think about. And, you know, like other scene, like the scene with Paul Giamatti. Where he's like uh, yeah. selling the guys at the auction, and I never—I'd always thought the auction took place like on an auction block Same. with a giant crowd at like a city square. I didn't know you went into like a shop and a guy would walk around yeah. and like do like the the Mac specialist thing with you of like <laughs> trying to sell these people yeah. and be so opinionated about why this one was better than the other one. And that just yeah, you just you, that scene you just feel your stomach drop more and more. Yeah. It's that inhumanity. It's that yeah, some craziness. Yeah, the cane thing. Yeah, like <laughs> the. It's like, man, this is real. This feels real. This is, I don't know what, it's crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, a movie that I am going to talk about now is my number one is one I'll just, I'll just say, uh, because it kind of ties in with what we we're just talking about. There's something kind of racially challenging or culturally challenging about this movie that I don't actually think is the main text of the film. But uh, as much as I love this movie, I was a little troubled when I read this description that this movie is about dark-skinned men with guns from a screwed-up country in the developing world, one whose problems we don't really want to examine too closely, who inflict pain and suffering on a white American everyman and are crushed with implacable efficiency by the greatest military force the world has ever seen. Oh, Boom! Yeah. Oh, my God. Bomb drops. Uh, that is actually wow. uh, uh, 
very incisive film critic who writes for Salon. He's one of the few actual incisive writers that writes for that site. Andrew O'Hare. Yeah. Um, he's <laughs> a very opinionated a guy, but he's talking about Captain Phillips, which knocked me on my ass. Guys. Thank you, John. I I think I love Ronald this laughed movie. at that one. I when was I blown it. away in okay. ways that I didn't expect to be. <laughs> But I, I read that and I was like, am I? But I don't, I feel like that criticism is almost unfair because I do think the movie goes to great lengths insofar as it should mm -hmm. try to humanize the pirates. Like, I believed from the few moments I saw of those pirate, the Somali pirates and their interactions that these are men with very few options, mm -hmm. that they do feel disrespected. Uh, whether they whether they are legitimately going outside of the zone of their waters or not, I mean, that's kind of a dispute in the movie, whether they were in Somali waters or whether they were in international waters. Mm. But this whole idea of this crew that's going to go out and they're going to they're gonna just try to, it's a cash grab, and it just spirals out of control. I never really felt like I was watching a movie. I felt very similar to the way I felt watching Zero Dark Thirty last year, where I saw a movie that I thought was about all the, com all the moral compromise on all sides mm -hmm. to create this kind of outcome, in that case, the, the assassination of Osama bin Laden. In this case, the freeing of the hostages, uh, and specifically the, the, the freeing of uh, Captain Phillips himself, who's taken as a hostage at the end, like that's, that's, what the, that's what the U.S. Navy is trying to do at the end of this film, yeah. is to stop them from taking a hostage and hopefully save the hostage's life. But they didn't want those pirates getting away with an American. That was something they didn't want to happen. Sure. Even if it meant, even though no one really says it, I think the suggestion is they're going to do what they can to save Captain Phillips, but oh, they yeah. might not be able to save him. I felt like there was something kind of, it was almost like a horror movie. On, like when, when the security that doesn't really seem to exist, like why are there no armed guards on a ship that's going through those waters? But there weren't. When the, when the Somali pirates breach the security by swinging the ladder over the, over the hull, there's this moment where the soundtrack completely stops and you just feel this thud of, oh, they're on, they're in. And that was like something out of a horror movie. Yeah. I felt the same fear and dread for the Somali pirates as the American Navy closed yeah. in on them. Yeah, so I weird. thought as much as people wanted to say that this movie, I've, I've heard it called nationalistic. I've heard that it appeals to like red state feelings and stuff. Maybe it does, but I thought it was, I thought it was, I mean, again, these are violent men who used guns to, to take a ship and to try to steal stuff. So they're not like guys who you want to point up as heroes, but they were pretty humanized, I thought. And I actually yeah. thought like the lead performance, what's the guy's name? Um, he's nominated for an Academy Award now, but uh, Barkad Abdi as Muse, Muse, his character and all the guys, they seem like they're amped up. They're chewing some kind of a plant. I think it's Kat, K-H-A-T, which mm. is like supposed to be a hallucinogenic drug, but it kind of keeps them awake and keeps them amped up while they're doing this. I thought the energy of the movie was just nonstop. I started off thinking, how can this possibly be two hours and 10 minutes long? I thought I was going to get bored with it. I thought the same thing. But it really was moving along at a nice clip, and they do a good job of showing you, as they often do with movies like this, like the geography of the ship. You understand enough about what's going on to understand who's where and what the relationship there is. But I thought Tom Hanks was so awesome. And the standoff between these two characters, like uh, Musi, is he's, he's a smart guy. He sees through a lot of the stuff that the that the captain is trying to pull with his crew and all the stuff that's going on on the ship. There's this standoff. There's a moment when the Captain Phillips challenges them right after they've been taken, and he says, after Muse has said, "This is just business," and then it's like things are about to go haywire, and he and Tom Hanks approaches him with anger and says, "This is how you do business. This is, this is just business." And you sense that like from that moment on, these two characters are sort of relating to each other and it's not quite cat and mouse yeah. it's kind of cat and cat and mouse and mouse in a way i mean these guys are both caught up in something bigger than themselves i thought that was so 
I, I was so impressed by that that I was kind of surprised to see other people saying that the movie was just a love letter to the American military because I feel like the military, even though they are depicted as extremely efficient, there's something kind of like there's they're almost like an alien intelligence that swoops in and <laughs> takes over the situation yeah. um, because the mystery is not what happens. You know that he comes out alive because he's you know the guy who this is based on wrote the book, mm-hmm. and you probably can imagine what happens to three or four scrawny Somali pirates when the U.S. Navy comes comes out looking for him. But even within that, the the moment when it finally comes down, the moment when someone says, uh, "Stop the toe, execute," I thought I thought my heart was going to jump out of my body. Oh yeah, it was it was horrific. It's and and bad. and what's played out on Tom Hanks's face in that moment is the kind of trauma that you know he's been going through. And I I mean you kind of took the words right out of my mouth, Steve. That scene on the gurney is one of the most emotionally harrowing things I've seen in a film ever. It is. Why? Ever. Is. He's in... Sh- but is, I don't is, know. Is it because... And here's what I came down he, to. He is so fucking good... Yes. <laughs> ...that he was able to play the shock and the confusion in a way that really struck me, that reminds me of every time I've gotten bad news, that reminds me of... The, I mentioned before one time I was in a... We were in a pretty bad wreck. Right. Luckily, we oh, all came yeah. out all right. But I remember the feeling of the adrenaline kind of oh, yeah. having to recede and the way he's interacting with the... The Navy nurse, I guess, or doctor who's yeah. talking to him. And she's great in that scene. Whoever that actress is, she's just like doing that thing that people do, keeping the questions going, you're okay. But but seeing the effects of it, I don't know. I mean, I, I you guys told me that before I saw it. And so I was bracing for it. And I still, I mean, I can't think of another way to put it except that it just kind of stunned me. I just kind of sat there for a second after that movie was over. We, yeah, we stayed through yeah. the credits and I sat there just trying to collect myself because mm-hmm. that scene, I said it, I repeated it, it's like... When he's saying, that's not my blood, you know, that's yeah. not my blood, and, and he's still, like, not realizing that he's okay now. Yeah, and he's asking yeah. about his family Yeah, and stuff it's like just, that. like, the priority of, of life is just, like, just a fucking punch to the gut, and it's just, stuff. yeah. So isn't it interesting the way an actor like Tom Hanks does that, though, takes the fact that you kind of love him already mm-hmm. and uses it in a role? Because I think he's actually, an, I mean, he's an interesting actor. He takes he takes challenging roles. He takes interesting he parts. I thought the, 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 the crew... Of the Maersk, uh, Alabama, the ship in this. Yeah. I thought they made an impression with small scenes. There's a guy named, there's a character named Shane who like just shows like real bravery in the face of what's going on, but they're not the main character because they're not the one that halfway into the movie gets taken off in this little lifeboat, tiny lifeboat yeah. with these with these uh, four um, uh, pirates. And I honestly found myself thinking, how am I going to sit? Like, when that happened halfway in, I thought, how am I going to sit through the next hour of this movie? I don't know how I'm going to do it. Now, I don't know if the movie kind of hedges its bets. They managed to cut away to the Navy, and they managed to show how that that's going on that end, and they intercut it. I think if they hadn't, it would have been maybe more of a bold experiment. Mm. But I think that it would have lost some of that emotional release that you get to have of seeing the... You know, the movie still fulfills the purposes of, like, a thriller where there's a ticking clock and you're wondering what's going to happen. But, yeah. the, I mean, I thought the tension in the movie was was amazingly achieved. If there was anything, I thought they kind of wasted Catherine Keener. But I, it's kind of the, uh, what's his name from, uh, is it Garrett Headland? Yeah. In, the Garrett Headland in Lewin Davis, you were saying, why was he in yeah. such a small part? I kind of feel that way about Catherine Keener yeah, in this. Definitely. But it's also a case of, well, who are you going to get? If you want someone to play the wife, are you going to get some no-name or are you going to get a big actress right. but, yeah. but in that you know Paul Greengrass he is maybe the only guy that uses the shaky cam effectively um, thank you you know something about it being on a tiny boat that's rocking around in the waves makes shaky cam okay 
It worked. But uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, this was similar to me to the Gray from last year in that it was a movie I saw at the last minute that just. So you're kind of like Henry, just as long as you see it I last was minute. Say, I think that's one thing I share your with my son. Whatever, we need to experiment with that next year. I need to like save a Tyler Perry movie for the for the day before <laughs> we do this. Done. That could happen. But no, I yeah I. I, this is another movie where I like Twelve Years a Slave. I almost don't want to say, "Hey, everybody, go see Captain Phillips." It's a great time. But like you, Steve, I almost had zero interest in this movie, and it just kept. I just kept thinking, I've heard too much about yeah. how good it was, and uh, and you know, Tom Hanks has got it. I don't know. I've heard some people refer to him as kind of a boring actor, but I just don't think that he's. I just don't think you quite know what to expect from him. And in this, I think you said it when you guys talked about this movie a while back, Ronald. The way it's like, it's not all about being heroic. Sometimes it's about doing what you can in that moment. Yeah. Because yeah. there's moments where keeping he, it together. That's all it is. Where he acts Just out of fear, bit. you yeah. know. And there is a, it is different. It's like there's fear that breaks out when the security is breached. There's 20 men on the boat, but they're taken on by four men, and it's because fear starts to affect what they oh, can accomplish yeah. in the moment. I thought the pirates were great characters and interesting, and and yeah, I don't think it dehumanized them at all. I mean, I think it was. I think, so. I think it was a really interesting movie for actually, and it was morally complex in that way because it's hard at the end to to not feel like what was this all about? Like, what did this? What what good? What did this? What happened here? You know? Yeah. Captain Phillips. Captain Phillips. You're the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, man. I'm bringing it home. I'm bringing it home, John. I gotta say, I'm a little I'm a little upset that it didn't get any other love on our on our list earlier, but um. It was a tough call. I'm it went really down to the line, and uh, I went with the movie that just took my breath away first this year. And watching it again, it, it holds. And this is uh, a movie called Prisoners. Ah. And uh, oh, I it just missed I, my list. I mean, yeah, it was okay. like, damn it, I yeah. forgot about that. Boulder. Yeah. So basically, um, we this film came out in September. Uh, a movie that is one of the best and most intense thrillers, mysteries, whatever you want to call it. Um, that I've ever seen in my life and um, a movie that more than, I mean, I love kids and in the best way possible, (laughs) but I was so grateful that I did not have children yet in my life and seeing this film. Mm. Um, Maybe in a level to be able to relate to the characters a little more, but I could definitely, I I got enough from watching this movie where I am in my life right now Mm -hmm. to be okay with not. Uh, Hugh Jackman, Jake Gyllenhaal, Paul Dano, Melissa Leo, Terrence Howard, um, uh, just incredible performances. Uh, the best work that Hugh Jackman's ever done, that Jake Gyllenhaal's ever done. An acting duel to the max. I mean, we talked about this yeah. film. Who was better? I don't know. You know. One person says A, one person says B. But regardless, I think most people would agree it's the best work that either's ever done. Um, just relentless in so many ways. Um, it kind of has that like Mystic River, Zodiac thing, which I love those films as well. Some of my favorite movies of the years that they came out. But uh, I think what I think what the big thing with with prisoners was for me was that both through the father's experience, you know, with Hugh Jackman, a guy who is prepared for everything, who is literally a survivalist in this film, who has hordes of th- things in his basement to be able to survive, you know, whatever the hell could happen in life, is um, basically thrown off balance by the thing that maybe he never expected or never thought would happen under his watch. Um, and that's basically, you know, a child being abducted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, seeing how Terrence Howard's character even, you know, who I thought was actually really good in this film as well, how they cope with it differently. Um, and then Jake Gyllenhaal on the other side as this cop who, you know, solves shit and pr- makes promises. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of see him 
getting his mind around something that maybe he's having trouble solving, just like Hugh Jackman's character usually has an answer and he doesn't, you know, and seeing how they both kind of ascend into, I think, emotional states that maybe they haven't felt before and, and how Hugh Jackman's character, you know, the scenes in the abandoned house with Paul Dano when he's basically losing his fucking mind, trying to get answers and, mm-hmm. uh, and not, and not getting them. Um, and there's a lot of great misdirection in the film, um, with, with Paul Dano's character, um, scenes where you, you know, you, you get just enough of a, a dip in the water where you're like, Oh, that, that, yep, yep. I got it. He's, it's him, yeah. you know? And, and, you know, enough that makes you question otherwise, you know, little, teases here and there with other suspects and piecing things together. Yeah, just other pieces to the puzzle yeah. that let you know there's more to it. There's like, more, there's, it's, I remember it's even seeing the trailer that just there were hints of those other elements <clears throat> that just drew me into that movie knowing that it was going to go deeper than just what's go- like than just these something bad happened to these girls they're going to find out. It was like there were other players in this story. Well, know? I mean, it, it made me immediately question like, you know, you're watching Keller and that's Hugh Jackman's character and in these scenes with Paul Dano, you're you're I mean, at least I was, you're saying like has he gone too far? Yeah. yeah. You know, but then I think that makes you question yourself. What would you How do? far would you go? Right. You know, yeah. can you judge yeah. that? Cuz I don't know that I'd ever stop. If I if I was convinced, if you were convinced as he was, that's the key thing. Yeah, that's yeah. the key. You know, at that point in the film, he's convinced, but then I think he gets that that seed of doubts, and that I mean, just that turn, man. Like I, I. So my thought is just if someone is trailing you, and you haven't abducted their daughter, and you don't want them to think you did abduct their daughter. Don't yank up a dog on a leash and just kind of hold it there for a second and then put it back down. Because that 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 was the crazy. I think that <laughs> that, that was, was so honestly crazy. that moment was the moment where you're watching that and you're seeing it through Keller's, Keller's eyes, eyes and absolutely. you're like, this yeah. guy's psycho. He's done it. Like that's all that's it takes. All, that's all you needed. Yeah, absolutely. To go, there's absolutely. something broken in this guy. He's not just an innocent. He's yeah. It felt but like it, a, it felt like a horror film in a lot of ways. Oh, like, totally. That that feeling like uh, I think that is is the sign of a good director to, to turn something that. I mean, abduction, of course, is a scary thing. Mm-hmm. But to make it into what it was made in in prisoners and having that level of tension and having these moments that felt like insanity so many times. Yeah. And it wasn't the same thing all the time. Like it was sometimes it was just the re, the reaction that the wife would have seeing. I, I don't think I've ever seen a movie where I've seen how much it affects somebody when something awful happens. I mm-hmm. think that's why the I, I think that's why the the top five for us were what they are. Yeah. All which, which movies, by the way, the, really the only reason Prisoners wasn't on my list was because I knew you were going to talk about it, uh, and it kept getting pushed down for that. And but yeah. I'm looking here, it was like it would have been 11. You know, it would have been yeah. the next one. Mm. It's it's it crazy when a movie that good. Because I remember when we saw it, I was thinking, I don't know how I could see a movie that's more like stressful than watching that movie. And I don't know that anything quite matched that level of just wallowing in the the ugliness, you know? Yeah. Like well, I think what I think something that it really did well was that I mean, I I don't know. I don't want to I don't I guess I don't care at this point about spoiling things. I just want to talk about Yeah. You know, many films don't actually succeed in kind of showing everyday evil. And I think with the reveal of the film in the, in, the, in the third act, when you realize what's going on, I think you realize that, or it made me feel that things maybe you make excuses for, or you just chalk up to be in something. It almost makes me a little paranoid. Yeah, you know, oh, it's yeah. like, nah, dude, like that, that that she was fine. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, yeah. how is this happening right now? Yeah. You know, and I don't think many films do that. And well, 
I don't think many films do that successfully, like where you can really believe it. Not with the kind of depth of character that that one did. I think that yeah. the, the reason that that movie feels so special is because it had these memorable characters in it. And oftentimes those types of thrillers, the characters are sort of interchangeable from some yeah, of the film. They're a little, yeah, they're disposable a lot But like of times. Detective Loki was a super memorable character. Uh, Keller's a really memorable character. Even Terrence Howard, I can't remember his character's name, but in, in those yeah. in those scenes, like he makes an impression on you and you remember his kind of anguish as a specific kind of, of of sadness when he's thinking they're going too far and he, do, he doesn't even know. I mean, he's less invested than Keller in what they're doing, but they yeah. both have this kind of, where do you draw that, like you were saying, where is that line in the sand that, you know, what would be too far to go? What would be too dark if you if you thought you could save, that there's this ticking clock on... The, you know the the amount of time they think they have to save someone while they're still alive, and which then leads to that amazing uh, drive to the hospital oh, at God. the end, which is maybe you know one of the most exciting things I've seen all year. So, yeah, I think uh, yeah, just that question of like morality, almost where morality can be questioned up against how insane something is. Yeah, you know, like that's just I did not experience that, regardless of my emotional effect from Captain Phillips, which you know I couldn't agree with you more on the way it ends. But just prisoners, I mean, it scares me, you know? Like, it scares me about life a little bit, which mm-hmm, yeah. things that make me uncomfortable like that, like you mentioned earlier, Ronald. Um, you know, and it's so, and a lot of it is so fucking subtle. And yeah. that's what makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's so, oh, that's, we're going next door for dinner. Oh, they're going oh, outside to the play. Yeah, that part no, is Oh, they're just... playing outside. Oh, what do you mean there's a trailer parked in the street? You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's just yeah. creepy, dude. It's just really creepy. And, um... Everyday evil is a good way to describe it, that. that that's what it, it made me feel like. Because that's what the danger is. I mean, that, the, what actually is happening in the story is a little bit heightened and a little bit crazy, but as far as the way that that kind of evil can intrude on your life, this movie, I feel like, does a really good job of depicting just the casual How, the, yeah. the casual breach of, of that bubble around yeah. you, you know, that, that you know you're lucky if you don't have something horrible happen to you almost. You know what oh, I mean? It's almost yeah. like every day you should That's sort of it. stop and go, yeah. oh, I'm pretty lucky. Nothing really horrible Bad happened, happened to me today. Because yeah. yeah. something horrible happens to somebody yeah. else. Yeah, and they didn't deserve it any more than, I, yeah, than I would have. walking yeah. around and something crazy happens. Yeah. So yeah, that movie, I, I, I wish I would have put it on the list. I kind of wish I would have found room for it too, but I also think that that's just testament because I look at the next couple of movies that I would have put, if, and it's like The Act of Killing... Uh, gravity. This is the end. How crazy that gravity didn't make it? Yeah, anybody. Any of our list. Weird. Right. I was gonna say the same thing. It was like in the top, you know, two yeah. or three that didn't make it. I had, yeah. I mean, just so many great movies. But I mean, I really think my top fifteen were were pretty much great films. So like, if we had gone, I you know, agree. Like, I agree. Yeah, looking past it, there's like, um, I had her just her barely just mm-hmm. just got bumped out. Short Term 12, which was I just saw rec- like in the past few days, is great. I want to see it. God, I, Brie I Larson. She's great. And I know you like her. Oh, yeah. Dude, she's incredible in it. Um, great documentary called 20 Feet from Stardom. Heard about backup about singers. It yeah. got nominated for an Oscar. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome movie. Um, Dallas Buyers. Enough Said, which was uh, James Gandolfini's last film. I thought you were just saying that's enough. No, no, no. That was, that was <laughs> Before Midnight and uh, This is the End. Really? No, th- no. This is the end of my list, but also yeah. the film. This is the end. Oh, okay. I was thinking. Uh, I'm looking at my list, trying to think of which movies have you know titles that are already the title to the porno film. Um, and the only ones I can think of are This is the End and Inside Lewin Davis. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe the Dirties. <laughs> the Dirties. Um, but so many good movies, man. So many good movies. It's a great year for film. Yeah. I had King Kings of Summer, Oblivion. 
uh, All Is Lost, The Conjuring, uh, The Past, the foreign film, mm-hmm. Blue Jasmine, Inside Lewin Davis, and Stoker. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never saw I saw that on a few lists. Stoker's been popping up, yeah. I've seen it. Surprisingly, I've seen it a lot it's more good. than I thought I would. Really I, yeah, I gotta watch it. I gotta check it out. All right, guys. That that might be the longest. Is that maybe the that longest? That is the episode longest episode I can ever, go ahead and tell you. You we, can confirm this, John. Yes, I can tell. I okay. don't. Even, I don't even want to make Steve. Worry. I'll apologize, yeah. guys. I mean, we try to keep it tight, but this is like probably one of my favorite episodes to yeah. talk about. It's always nice to reflect on the best of the year, and we spend a lot of time making this podcast and seeing films for this podcast and and for our own enjoyment. But being able to reflect back on the best of the year is always a blast. And, oh yeah. And thank you all so much again for. Uh, calling in your, your your favorite films of the year, a nice mix. Some movies that didn't make our list, but you know, still good stuff. And, and some to everybody that called called in for me, it's their names are Steve and Ronald. Okay, then <laughs> <laughs> their eyes are up here. Yeah, Don't, yeah, up here. Yeah, stop right. standing on our dicks. <laughs> right, stop that. Gross. Yeah, it makes my dick feel uncomfortable. <laughs> little cb everybody needs to see a little cb every once in a while but uh yeah thank you guys so much for listening to episode 98 uh we'll be coming back next week with a a, a little peek into 2014 yes we're gonna go through the first three or four months which is it's a it's a, it's a and dirty... this year is particularly rough i think because the oscar season movies were yeah. so good we'll get into that next time though oh, yeah. but thank you guys as always for listening and uh you've made our day so you want to act like the characters in a in American Hustle and, and walk out in slow motion while a really cool old song plays? Oh, Kick it. Let's do it, guys. All right, we're going to find this wicked witch, steal her wand, I'll get that big pile of gold, and you can have a nice pile of bananas. Oh, I see. Because I'm a monkey, I must love bananas. That is a big, vicious stereotype. You don't like bananas? Of course I do. I'm a monkey. Don't be ridiculous. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah.